tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. Won't cost you to make a call. Emma is producing today. Coming up on the show, a politician's warned that emigration will be the main issue in upcoming elections. RTE announced pay caps for its highest earners. One listener calls for a ban on political emblems in the workplace. Deputy Michael Lowry on refugees and housing. We have some advice from listeners on this week's Dear Phil Letters. The Gardaí will keep us up to speed on uh, crime around the county and gardening towards the end of the programme with Alta Nesbeth. So if you have a gardening query, as always, we urge you to log it with us as soon as you possibly can. 083 311 3311 for text and uh, WhatsApp. We'll also be playing the Tip FM Match 3 game. Later on, we'll give you a cue to call where that is concerned too. A uh, quick look at the front pages of the newspapers today and uh, as uh, Pat told you there, the RTE story is huge. It's right across the newspapers again today. The Irish Indo uh, with a quote from Kevin Backhurst saying, if they don't deliver public funding, we can't deliver this strategy. And that's uh, talking about the RTE plan that was unveiled yesterday. Also on the Irish Indo today, they're telling us that more than half of businesses and a quarter of households that use gas are now behind on their bills. New figures on arrears from the energy regulators show that 56% of non-domestic gas customers were behind on their payments uh, to their suppliers in the period between July and September. The Irish Daily Mail, again, it's all about RTE on the front page. RTE stars told uh, their pay will be slashed. And uh, RTE's Director General, he seemingly didn't tell the broadcasters, most highly paid presenters, that they face major pay cuts of up to 100 grand uh, before announcing uh, his plan for sweeping financial reforms yesterday. This is all a lot of nonsense, of course, needless to say, because the uh, higher paid RTE broadcasters particularly are tied in with, with contracts and stuff. So nothing much can be done about that until those contracts are up. So you'd wonder what all the fuss is about. Uh, the Irish Examiner and uh, their front page as well, RTE to cap pay of top stars at uh, 250k. Also on the front of the examiner today, a number of Irish citizens in Gaza are hoping to leave the besieged enclave today after being told their names are expected to, to be on a list of those allowed to depart for Egypt. Uh, the Irish Times, and again the RTE story is big there, but the front page dominated by a picture of... Misery and horror indeed. People mourning victims of Israeli bombs yesterday outside of a hospital and a morgue on the Gaza Strip. And uh, this picture really sums up, I would imagine, the plight of the Palestinian people at this point. So that's a quick peek at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you would like to make comments on any of that, uh, we'd love to hear from you. We will be talking about the RT story uh, later on. So again, we'd love your input. Again, it's 083-311-3311. Local and national representatives in Tipperary are being urged to lobby the government 
to stop all new arrivals of refugees and international protection applicants into the country. Cashel community activist Liam Brown says in the wake of failed efforts uh, to bring 74 male IPAs to a hostel in the town last week, it's time to call a halt. Speaking to us yesterday, he said the politicians should do what they're elected to do and represent the opinions of the people. Now, one of our listeners and community activist, uh, David Maloney, was in touch and joins me now. David, good morning to you. Hello, Fran. Thank you very much for having, having me. Always good to talk to you, David. What are you making of uh, this? And uh, I know that you've done sort of some research as well into the kind of figures of asylum seekers and uh, international protection applicants coming in to the county, David. Yeah, what I've actually done, right, is over the last three weeks, because I wanted to educate myself, I did a report to see what's the scale of the problem, right? And what are the main issues, right? And, um, I mean, the first thing is that there is actually two main types of, two groups that we're actually talking about. We're talking about Ukrainian refugees who are mostly, um, I mean, there's 86,000 of them. They're mostly um, mothers and children, but there's also young men abiding, fighting in Ukraine that actually come to Ireland, right? And uh, what we have actually found is that, um, number-wise, Ireland proportionally, right, per capita, is taking in far more journey than most Western European yes. countries, like um we take in 17 t- for every 1,000 Irish citizens, right? Spain, Italy, the UK, generally take in about three and a half. France only takes in one, right? So we are 17 times ahead of France, right? The US only take in one, right? And then what we find is also is that um, Ireland says, the politicians are very misleading in what they say in the figures they get. They say, oh, we have to, according to the Lisbon Treaty, take in refugees. But according to the Lisbon Treaty, you can actually opt out of taking That's, that's taking right, yeah. in, well, We're one right? of three countries that can opt out, in fact, yeah. Yeah, most countries can actually opt out. Um, Denmark have actually opted out of doing it. So you don't have to take in refugees, right? Now, the other see, what must be, uh, one thing we ha- must realise is that, I mean, say, we have Polish and we have East European immigrants actually came into this country who are welcomed. They've actually blended in, right? And they actually speak with Irish accents, right? And they've added to the fabric of Ireland, right? And so really, I mean, I mean, we don't discriminate against them. We respect them and we accept them, right? Also in Dublin, you have a lot of foreign nationals working in tech companies companies. I mean, they're mm. accepted, right? Mm. And, so, and, uh, and the nursing uh, community as oh, well. Oh, that's right. I mean, yeah. reliant yeah. on Filipino nurses and mm. so on. And, right? Mm. You know, so there's a lot of um, foreigners. I mean, we're not... Uh, because what happens is the politicians make out that more or less if you say anything about um, foreigners, you're um, racist and you're discriminating mm. against them, right? But that's not the case at all. So where, right? where do you stand at this stage, then? Is it a case that enough is enough in terms of the numbers, David? Oh, yeah, well, sorry, what I would really concerned about, right, I mean, Ukrainian refugees, right, I mean, uh, they will go home, right, when the war is, uh, started out. Do you, do I mean, you think really, so? I because mean, there was a poll a while back and it indicated that about 60% of the Ukrainian people who uh, sought refuge here yeah. will, may may not go home. And and some people said that that's a conservative number. Yeah, but, I mean, they can't actually... They'll have to become asylum seekers then, right? Mm. They can't just stay here because they're outside the EU. Mm. Right? But, I mean, the big issue I see, right, is asylum seekers. We have 25,000 asylum seekers who are mostly young men from third world countries, right? Mm. Right? Who actually sponge off the state, right? Right? And they bring cultural and prejudices with them, right? 
because I mean a lot of these people I've seen it. I worked out in the Middle East, right? You you'd be amazed the hatred that they have, right? For even other people within different branches of their own religion, they have a hatred for Jews and Christians, right, and Hindus, right. And you're bringing in a lot of these people, right? And what they do is they come into Dublin Airport, right? And on the flights into Dublin Airport, they, to get on the flights, they have to have passports. But then when they get off the airport, get off the airplane, they go to, to immigration. They say, "Well, we won't give you. I won't give you my name, and I won't tell you where I came from." Because what they do is they destroy their passports and flush them down the toilet. But there is a way around that, and it's quite easy, right? I've seen it, right? All what the airlines should be made to do, right, is to take. Um, scans of their fingers, mm. fingerprints, mm. right? So they'd have scans of their fingerprints with their passports, right, on records, right? So when these guys show up at Dublin Airport, right, you should, the airlines should be made responsible to provide the, um, uh, the records of their fingerprints and passports, right? And then what should happen is they, their fingerprints should be scanned, right, so you can trace them. Mm. Because if you don't trace them, you don't know and where to why, why do you think we've been so tardy with, with our national security, do you think? Why? What? Well, I think I'm um, really intrigued. <laughs> There's two issues, right? I think what, what you have is you have politicians, right? Senior politicians in government, right? And they want to take this softy, softy approach. And they want to be, appear to be good guys. Because all they're actually doing is networking. Because they, what they know... That in a few years they'll be out of a job. What, what type of jobs do they want? They want a high-power job with the EU or the United Nations, right? So they want to appear to be the good guys, right? But well, that, that's right? that's a big statement, David, because that means that they're sacrificing their country to, oh, to sort are, of feather absolutely. their own nest in some way. But they are. But I mean, you look at Roderick O'Gorman, right, Minister for Integration, right? Naively, he actually posted tweets in eight different languages, right, in February 2021, right. He sent them to Jordanians and Albanians and and Somalians, right? And he did it in French, right? And he was advertising the soft approach we have to immigration. And that actually led to an influx of asylum seekers. He promised that Ireland would give them their own door accommodation and all sorts of free benefits and legal aid and medical aid and everything, right, within three months. And here we have people in Ireland that have been looking for houses for the last 10 years and they can't get them. And he's promising then mm. these people that they'll give them houses. Do, know, do you not? Months. Do you not notice though that there's a bit of a turnaround now? At this people uh, at this oh, point. Oh, there is because they realise it's becoming. Um, uh, I mean, it's well, there's, there's elections. Elect- there's elections well, coming there's, up, I suppose. Oh, it is now. Put manners on them, and they realise they can't be getting away with what they're, what they've been getting away with, yeah. right? But I mean, what, what is ironic out now is that most most um, asylum seekers coming into this country come from Georgia. The ambassador for Georgia actually says. There's no need to give them asylum, right? So Georgia is a safe country. I mean, Georgia, the, the, the capital city there, um, Tbilisi, right, mm. has buildings more modern than Dublin, right? Yeah, but there's people coming in under the guise of being Ukrainian as well, of course, which is which is part of what the issue is. Yeah, yeah, there is, yeah, but they're uh, asylum seekers. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, they're refugees. Right. Yeah, yeah, but they're coming into pretending that they're from. I mean, there's. I, I was given examples of this myself, to be honest with you. Now I'm not sure about the kind of numbers involved, but there certainly is yeah. that uh, the case as well. Um, what, what about what um, uh, what uh, Liam Brown was saying to me yesterday? And he made a very interesting point. He said that you know, in a democracy, the government are not representing the wishes of the people. Would you go along with that? 
I would, yeah, I would, I would, right? I mean, they're not protecting the people either, right? Uh, you know, I mean, we have a case of Helen McAtee, right? She's responsible for deporting criminals now. And it turns out, and undesirable nationals, right? It turns out there was a guy in Dublin, right? He had actually carried out um, 15 sexual offences, right? Attacking women and so on, right? He got a prison sentence for seven years. He, he was released after three and a half years on the basis he deported himself. He was actually seen walking around Dublin, right? And he was never deported. Because, I mean, the, the, the government talk about how they're deporting people. They're not. They're issuing orders for people to deport. Yes, but, but they're, they're allowing people to, to, to do that themselves then. To, to, to oh, to yeah, which doesn't happen, right? You know. Yeah, where, where is it all going to end, do you think, David? Well, I think there's going to be a major protest and there'll be a big backlash against the government, right? And I said, well, we're very lucky, right? Because the, the official line on most parties, I mean, they're all basically the same. They're the big open-door policy. I mean, even Sinn Féin is the case of Brits out, but everyone else in, right? So, I mean, all the major parties are the same. I mean, and we're very lucky. We have two independent TDs who actually have highlighted the issues, right, in the goal, right? Whereas I see that the local TDs, other TDs are... And, and councils, they don't say anything because they won't rock the boat. Well, they have a party line, I suppose, and there is a whip they involved, have, yeah. so, you know. No, yeah, they have to say the official line. Like, I mean, they yeah. say black is black, white if they're, they're told to. How do you feel about uh, asylum seekers being eligible to vote in local elections, for example, next year? What the, what? <laughs> yeah, I was wondering why, you know, it's amazing. I was wondering why local um, councillors were actually looking for things for asylum seekers, for refugees, right? Like footpaths and everything out in Dundrum, right? Right. So there's no wonder they're looking for to get votes from the from the refugees. So which is a bit ridiculous, isn't it? That sounds very cynical, David. Oh, well, yeah, but uh, I know, but I, that's my opinion, right? Whether it's right or wrong is another thing. Yeah, they, they needless to say that that notion of asylum seekers being eligible to vote that is that isn't recent. That's that's with us for about twenty years at this point, isn't it? it was, I think it was two thousand and four. That was yeah, but that's, again, that, that's a very soft issue because I worked out in the Middle East, right? And it's amazing, right? When you go out to the Middle East, right? And which you first of all you have to do. Um, medical to make sure you have no contagious diseases, right? Mm. Because, they don't, because, I mean, we have situations now. We have asylum seekers coming in here from countries that have never been vaccinated, right? And they've all sorts of contagious diseases, right? And even when I worked out in Oman, right, it's amazing. It was a, a woman who was friendly, but she was actually a Muslim. She was from Lebanon. She told me uh, that I should watch myself when you're buying food off the, the street vendors, right? Because, I mean, she said diseases are rife out there, right? You know, right? So you have to be very watchful, right? And another thing, if you worked out in the, like Dubai, every two years you have to renew your work visa, mm. right? If not, they deport you overnight, right? I've seen um, Indian engineers, uh, our, um, doctors actually worked all their life in, in Dubai who had ch- children in Dubai. The children never had any rights to residency in Dubai. When they retired at 60 years of age, they were shipped home immediately, right? I mean, and then you have to, I mean, Arabs states, right? I worked with all sorts of Arabs from all different countries, right? And generally, the um, Arabs out there would not actually, uh, the likes of Dubai would not accept Palestinian engineers, right, to work for them, right? Because they sort of reckoned that they were troubled, right? And they didn't want to be getting involved in the trouble with Israel, right? So they were actually blocked. And then now we have a situation is where there are, no Arab country would actually take in refugees from another Arab country. And here we are now taking in um, refugees from Arab countries, right, and from Palestine. And then we're, 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 we're putting them into houses, right? And these guys have prejudices against one another, right? right? And that's why you see fights and videos of fights, right? 
Do you know, you're mixing people that are completely, uh, that might be uh, mm. <laughs> and, against one another. And you say we, we don't even have a proper understanding of some of those divisions, I, I suppose. Would you go along with what emerged yesterday from the programme as well? Because I made the point that uh, a Dawn or Rear Dawn from Labour uh, makes out that, you know, immigration and all of that will not be an issue in the elections, but you know, our listeners and some of our contributors yesterday think it, it'll be top of the list for a lot of people. Would you? Oh, I do, yeah, because you can actually see now there's protests in Donegal, protests in Wexford, there's protests down below in um, Kilken- in, in Killarney, right? In Kerry, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, uh, there's protests up above in Leitrim, right? And I see it is going to become more because up to now, right, if something in the factory didn't really matter, but now I'm actually hearing that there is actually buildings. In Tipperary Town, right, where the um, the property owners are actually talking, are looking to um, convert them into um, accommodation for uh, refugees, right? Because it's, they earn big money, right? Another thing is they're bringing in these refugees, right, and especially Ukrainians. I mean, there's a lot of young children, right, and the people involved in managing them in these um, rented accommod- in these um, these companies, right, they're not guarded of it, right? And they're managing... Right. And, and I don't want you to mention any names to me or, or yeah. to pinpoint anybody or anything, yeah. but are you telling me that you're aware that that premises in Tipperary Town in the future may be used as accommodation? Oh, yeah. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, I am. And, yeah. and you yeah. have that and, on, yeah. good, on good authority, David, do you? Well, I've got through the grapevine, right? Okay. You know, right? Right. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, but I'm just actually saying, I mean, a lot of the old buildings, right, and big buildings, right, old, um, right, old hotels, right, they're... they're you know, in Tipperary, there's actually 1,265 um, uh, immigrants, right? You wouldn't believe it, right? Accommodate, right? Already. All right, David. Well, good to talk to yeah. you today, and I'm sure that okay, will generate some calls for us as well. And thank you very much indeed for coming on with us. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you very much. Good, good morning to you. And that's David Maloney, who's a community activist uh, in the Tipperary area. How? What do you make of that? Uh, 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, uh, lots into us on that conversation with uh, David. Let me bring you some of this. A listener says, why haven't to the immigration department responsible for these asylum seekers and refugees has been brought before the government to find out why they haven't been processed. Uh, they should be processed at the airport and not allowed leave until uh, satisfied that they pose no threat to the communities uh, of our country, be it disease or indeed crime. Somebody else says we need a minister for deportation to replace the minister for integration. When Trump returns to power next year, only then the Western world would begin to heal and repair the damage of the far left. So that's a rather controversial uh, message from one of our listeners today. Um, somebody else making the point that Pakistan is expelling uh, refugees. No Muslim country will take in Palestinian refugees, it says here. People here who hate our culture, our religion, our democracy. Time that Europe uh, copped on. Somebody else saying Roderick O'Gorman and his equals have sold out the Irish and sold out the country as well. Somebody else saying, I thought it was only women and children coming uh, to the country. You can't get on a plane without a passport. If no passport, should be put back on the plane that they came in on. And it goes on and on. 
Now, as I say, right across the newspapers today, RTE making the headlines. RTE has published its strategic reform plan with the broadcaster saying that a voluntary redundancy scheme will particularly target those on over 100 grand. Now, it also caps the pay of the top stars, meaning, meaning that nobody will earn more than the director general. It's still not to be sneezed at. It's 200, 250k. RTE also plans to reduce staff numbers by 400 by 2028 through voluntary redundancy under a plan sent to the government. Now, one of our listeners, Liam, joins me now. Liam, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran, and good morning to your listeners. And lovely to talk to you, Liam. You have some thoughts on RTE at this point, Liam. What what are your thoughts? Well, my, my, it really started from the announcement that, that the government made um, prior to uh, Kevin, uh, what do you call uh, the RTE, yeah. Yeah, mm. making his statement. Uh, it, it would appear that the government announced that they were going to give uh, uh, $56 million to RT14 at first, I think, and then 40 next year. Uh, it, it, it's worrying me that uh, they're telling the people, that, as such, the government are telling the people one thing, and behind our, our, our backs they're doing deals uh, with RT. But from Kevin Backert's uh, announcement yesterday of the 400s, Sorry, Fran. I, I kind of, I kind of don't believe that sort of thing. I believe what it was was a quick statement was brought out just to satisfy either a the people or b the politicians. It's one or the other because it doesn't stand up. You know, it doesn't really make sense the way he's talking. And I think at one stage when he was challenged, he actually let slip that okay, it might be four hundred because we wouldn't be able to operate such services. Mm. It might be two hundred and fifty. So an awful lot of it is is unbelievable to say the least. And we had our minister, what's her name, uh, Catherine Martin, mm. saying, oh, there's going to be transparency and everything like this. The whole reason we're at the stage we are at the moment, Fran, is because there was no transparency. Mm. Even when they had all committees, that D Forbes one and the other, my, my lady, they held out to the very... Well, actually, D Forbes never came forward. No, they held out to the very, out, very end. Yeah, she's out sick, uh, same way. So. Mm. And we heard all sorts of ridiculous things about about uh, 1,400 pairs of, 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 of cloth and things like that, mm. whatever it was. Flip-flops, Flip-flops, yeah. yeah. It, it shows to me that RTE management are not able to manage and they've been getting away with it for years. I, I, I believe that what Kevin Burke says is wishy-washy. I, I don't believe even he himself is capable of managing RTE. And as to what should we do with RTE, the answer is I, I actually don't know. RT don't know. And Liam, do you don't. hold with this thing that's being kicked around all the time that, you know, well, they have to be propped up, they have to survive because they are the public service broadcaster. Does that... Does that well, make... well I, I, I think it's great that Ireland as such has its own uh, broadcasting uh, cooperation and it has been fantastic for years. If you go back, and, and, and I'd, be, I'd be a bit older than you and our friend, but if you go back to the rears and things like that, that was entertainment. But most of the time at the moment, I, I, I'm not a great RTE listener at the moment and the reason being is because I've seen so many repeats and repeats. Uh, I, I'm not actually interested. The only programme I, I look at now, every now and then is that Irish one, what's it called, uh, Ross Naroon? Is yes, that the one? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I find that now more entertaining and, and, and they're saying about uh, Fair City and things like that. I don't actually know the programme, but mm. I would question the fact that if you have somebody like, like Ryan Turberty, and maybe Ryan Turberty was just thrown 
thrown into the midst of all this. Maybe there's more to it than we actually know, but we'll use Ray Turnby at the moment. If he was on such high wages and mm. he's entertaining, what about all the people that uh, are in Fair City? Are they on 300,000? I doubt very no, much. Not anything like it. Seemingly, uh, the majority of them are rather poorly paid. And, and in fact, some came out to say that when they're not actually on the on the TV, they actually have to go sign on the door. They do indeed. So, yeah. so yeah. how do we get to the situation that somebody like Ryan Turberty and and you mentioned yourself before, Jerry Ryan, Lark, mm. and others, mm. and Pat Kenny and all that, were on something like five and six hundred thousand a year? How do we get to that? Because there was no accountability. They didn't care. They thought they were actually an institution of themselves and nobody would touch them. And the government hadn't got the balls actually to go along and question it. Just throw money, throw money. Yeah, you see, I, TV, I, can never, uh, I, I can never blame the presenters because like, if the company was stupid enough and prepared to pay them that kind of money, sure, oh, we'd, all, we'd all take the money, Liam. You know? Oh, absolutely. You have to, oh, no, it's not to do with Ryan Turberty or, or mm. uh, the agents. I mean, that's what the, the nature of them is. I mean, definitely not. I'm, I'm saying is. How do we get to the situation that, uh, and I repeat the man's name again, and, and the poor man is dead? How do we get to say that Jerry Ryan on five hundred plus thousand a year? Yeah. How do we actually get to that? There was somebody in management that there wasn't above their capabilities. That, that well, you see, the excuse all the time there is that these guys have such high profile; they're bringing in big sponsorship, and uh, they, you know, if they were lost to another station, that sponsorship might go with them, and the listenership might go with them. Now, it's it's proved over the years that that is not the case. Absolutely, and, and and for me, an ordinary person on the street, I look at television for entertainment. And if you say that to me that the Late Late Show is entertainment, sadly, I don't look at the Late Late Show and I don't find it entertaining. And if you say to me that Ross Naroon is entertaining, I would say yes, 100%. Mm. I can feel for this. I, I can go with this. But as far as the Late Late Show, bringing on people from America, give, what, giving them twenty, thirty thousand just to come into uh, Ireland for... 10-minute show, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I think in the old days of gay born and things like that, it was entertaining. Mm. But I think we lost the run of ourselves. And, and as far as Kevin Backhurst is concerned, I don't actually believe one word that came out of him yesterday on the basis that nobody's to get any more than him. And he's on, what, 250000 yeah. plus a year plus a, a car of 150000 plus mm. expenses. Mm. Uh, who in God's name is worth 6800 6, a week to be in the background. If he's worth 8,600, how would the boys that are out the front directly giving us entertainment? I mean, how do they actually come to these figures? The teacher of this country is not that kind of money, and he's running five and a half million people. But, <clears throat> excuse me, is it not like with the banks, though? They, they will tell you to get the right people to head up these corporations. You need to be paying this kind of money, Liam. Does that? Oh, I, I love that one. I love that one, Fran. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a certain uh, farming organisation. I won't mention the name. And the lady, I'll just say her first name, so I won't be bringing anything to that. Her name was Siobhan, mm. right? And she was on an estimated five and a half million a year. Mm. They were given the farmers 52 cents. I see the bear brought in the farming mm. there, Fran. Yeah, I know that. Nice, that. nice yeah, move, Liam. Yeah. Nice move. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no. yeah. They were given the farmers for 52 cents a litre. And with the stroke of a pen, the cut it down to 32 cents after the farmers investing billions in infrastructure. So, I mean, for a person to be worth five and a half million, I'm sorry, I don't I don't buy that. It's a bit like the government going along and saying, oh, we had problems, you were all complaining about the county council and they're taking so long to do a job with bringing in the private sector. The private sector came in and they get, it took twice as long. They're putting in two flower beds at the moment in Comer, Fran, and have taken six weeks 
God help us ever get to the what's called the flower shop. Six weeks to put in two flower beds. Is, for is, the, for the, is, for is the, everybody getting cynical at this stage, Liam? No, 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 no. There's a difference between cynical and fact. Sorry about that, Fran. But to get back to our team, yes. which is what we're talking about, yeah. uh, what is the answer? Well, definitely uh, 250,000 is an excess for anybody. Be it, be it that they're on RT or uh, anybody else. My, 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 well, my well, Joe, Joe Duffy is on a, I think, is it 360 or something? Three. God help us. Yeah. Um, even Jesus is not on that. But my worry is who's the people that's going to get shot down? This is the worry. There's, there's the actual genuine talent inside an RT, and I know that from friends of old. Yeah. Uh, I go back to the days of, of uh, John Bowman, it's the Quinta Crescent that answers. I've been going to RT for the last 30 years on them type programs, Clareborn, the whole. Yeah. I've been going to them for 30 plus years. Now, I find that entertaining, and, and I'll tell you why I find it entertaining, uh, not because it just uh, I go into it. I find that you have raw people in an audience mm. that speak from the heart. You have none of this wishy-washy thing that government officials come out with. Yes. You know, the, yeah. this, this, this painting of, of different colours that we're meant to believe. Uh, I, I like them kind of, are they called reality program? I'm not sure what they're actually called. Mm. But I find them more entertaining because you have raw people mm. coming up from the country, talking from the heart, and there's politicians and they're squirming. And you know that, I bet you don't know this, but you remember the days of Pat Kenny, whatever that was called, frontline or offline or no line. I, don't know, I can't remember what that was called. But for any politician to come into that sh- uh, show, they would have to be able to have six of their comrades to come in. So in the event that Fran Curry or somebody like that stuck him with a question, one of the six would jump up and say, oh, no, I don't agree with Fran Curry. Yeah, this is yeah. the kind of thing that goes on in RT. So you your audience is flooded with supporters and one thing and another. Absolutely, well. we, yeah. we've lost the run of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, that, that, them boys down in Cork, uh, what do you call uh, that program down in Cork there, to be on in the, in the afternoon. Na- nationwide, more, is it? No. Oh, no, yeah, the, no, the afternoon show thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's more entertaining than half the things that's above in Donnybrook. <laughs> but what, what, what they're meant to do is, they're meant to go along getting proper management. The mm. management that's there is wrong. You know, the, the, the really... The but is it not the culture there, is it? Oh, absolutely. Is, you know? Of course the culture. But nobody challenged it. Yeah. And, and you know the unions are out and about now, and rightly so. They ha- they have a very good reason to be. But God knows the unions in RTE were some pain in the ass over the years. I remember I appeared on the Late Late Show back in the nineteen eighties. Would you believe, Liam? And mm. I mm. was playing a keyboard and an accordion. You don't really need to know this, but I moved a microphone so mm. that it could pick up the accordion. And right. the floor manager ran over and put it back and said, "You can't do that. Hold on there." Another guy had to come out and move the microphone. Oh my goodness! You know. Oh my goodness! So, it reminds me of my, my my old days with chocolates. You couldn't get up in one tractor because it belonged to another fellow. Yeah, the unions are a dangerous thing. Actually, at the moment, the unions are out now with fire in their eyes, and yeah. they're given the comparison of what Norway uh, is paying their uh, what would you call it uh, uh, channels. That's yes. that's their excuse, Mum. We 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 do that a lot in Ireland when we want to bring in uh, charges for, for 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 household charges. We go along and say, look what they're doing in England. Yeah, I know. Look what they're doing. We, we're great at that. We're, we're no good at coming up with our own ideas and our own minds. Mm. I, I, I truly believe that the management is wrong. I don't believe the actors are wrong. I believe the actors are going to be the ones that are going to be cut, cut off, and that's wrong, because there is young talent there. And I I, I'm we, just looking at the screen in front of me, and let me put it to mm. you for your opinion, because mm. the general mm. consensus is that RTE is not a public service broadcaster, and that right throughout their, um, their broadcasting, there's an agenda. Um 
to discuss, as they say in the Leaving Cert Liam. Um, what, what do you think about that? Is is there a narrative from RTE? Is there oh, a- absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You see, at the moment, as to who to pick and choose or who's they're going to broadcast from the, the war zones, which is quite sad. They, they, they pick one side over the other. Which mm. is right or which is wrong, I don't mm. know. But uh, at the moment... Uh, it's I it's Palestinian it's, at the moment, isn't it? It's... Uh, <laughs> Yes, but uh, in relation to, to, to free advertisement, a politician will come on there and get 25 minutes of a platform free. If me and you go on, we have to have the pay for it. I mean, if, if we're announcing something. Mm. Uh, the, the politicians and RT are playing each, each other's hands. And I believe at the moment that uh, uh, the government are wrong. Uh, if this thing was released before Kevin Bachar could actually come out and say what he was going to do, if that was the case, the deal was done long ago. I, I suggest that Captain Martin is talking over the side of her mouth in the sense that she's telling the people one thing and she's doing deals behind they, the back. They're going to get bailed out anyway, Liam. No, you know, oh, absolutely, but this, this won't be the first time, Fran. Yeah. In 12 months' time, it'll be the same story again. And it's not necessarily to do with the TV licence. It's to do with the quality of what they're producing given people. I mean, people never complained about €160. Euros. What they complained about was what they were getting. The repeat, it, yeah. Repeat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we If we can't get our act together... Well, then we should get somebody out. If we can't actually get our act together, cut them out of it altogether. RT are an institution on their own, and they, they're giving us what they want us to believe. And I, I don't believe half the stuff has come out from yesterday from Kevin Backer. I just actually don't believe it. The 400 people redundancies, how do you implement that? Voluntary. Well, I, I suppose, I mean, what they're going to look to is as people get older and they retire, they just won't be replaced. I mean, that's that's the indication that we're getting here anyway. They won't be replaced by young talent. But the people that retire, uh, Fran, is going to cost us as much. Yeah. Pensions cost more sometimes than what the actual young people are getting there in RT at the moment. Right. You, you need young talent. It's a bit like government. You can't have 78 and 80-year-old uh, politicians anymore. You have to have young people there. People with energy, people with ideas, people that will take risks. Or, uh, forgive the pun. People with a pair of balls. Forgive the pun for yeah. putting it that way. But we actually need that in our society at the moment. The world has evolved and we need to evolve with it. And sometimes our phobies like me have to be put out the grass and bring in young talent that will make RTE a proper entertaining broadcaster. That's mm. what we need. Uh, yeah, maybe. Even, even though I see some of the young talent up there at the moment, I mean, behind a programme like The Late Late Show, and I think that because they don't have experience and because they're city-centric and all of that, I think they've destroyed a lot of the programming in RT. Oh, well, I mean, definitely so, but then they're only answerable to somebody else and they're trying to do their yeah. best to come up with something. And it's a bit like Frank Curry years and years ago when he went to move a microphone. There was somebody up there to tell him, no, you can't do that. And it's a bit like that in RT. Even if you go up at the moment to them entertainment programmes, you're nearly told what to say. If you, if you go on... Oh, God, I shouldn't say this. If you go on Katie Hannon, you're actually given a card before you go in, and you have to sign out the questions that you're going to ask before you actually uh, go in into the studio. Are you so serious? The people, yeah. oh, that's genuine. And then yeah. the politicians that come in have a look at that, and they can make up a fumble answer that me and you will believe, because they're artists at this. They're trained inside universities, and they go in and they listen to young people uh, with energy in universities that absolutely ate the face off them. And that gives them courage to come back in and have the answers. The Mogans like me. I mean, I mean, I, I'm so gullible. I believe anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> I doubt that, so. I doubt that. Well, so. well, 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 
Sunday. When, when, when politicians come on and say, yeah, we have to go along and bring in a household charge because the council can't afford to keep running. That's a lot of wacky. We, we have a health service that can't survive. The household charge should be going to the, to the, to your health insurance. Not the, pol- not the councils inside, uh, twisting their thumbs, putting up statues that we don't need. I mean, we have a situation in this world where the, where the, the Koreans call Inamuri sleeping on the job. How many council officials inside are any OPW? I actually believe that Clonmel had flooding over the years, and the problem was not putting up walls to stop the water coming in. The problem was not taking out the dirt that was in the bottom of the basin. Friend, if you go along and get a basin and half fill it with, with clay, and then you put in the same amount of water as it, full, it flows out over the side. So we, we don't have actually good architects in this yeah, country you, to you, run the country. You see, you're applying logic to everything. You, you need to stop doing that, Liam. Liam, <laughs> it's re- really good to talk to you, Liam. Real pleasure. Thank, Thank you, Liam. Friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Brad. Good morning. That's uh, Liam uh, speaking to us today. We'll take a break. Back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, uh, lots into us on that conversation with uh, David. Let me bring you some of this. A listener says, why haven't the Immigration Department responsible for these asylum seekers and refugees been brought before the government to find out why they haven't been processed? Uh, They should be processed at the airport and not allowed leave until uh, satisfied that they pose no threat to the communities. Uh, of our country, be it disease or indeed crime. Somebody else says we need a minister for deportation to replace the minister for integration. When Trump returns to power next year, only then the Western world would begin to heal and repair the damage of the far left. So that's a rather controversial uh, message from one of our listeners today. Um, somebody else making the point that Pakistan is expelling Uh, refugees. No Muslim country will take in Palestinian refugees, it says here. People here who hate our culture, our religion, our democracy. Time that Europe uh, copped on. Somebody else saying Roderick O'Gorman and his equals have sold out the Irish and sold out the country as well. Somebody else saying I thought it was only women and children coming uh, to the country. You can't get on a plane without a passport. If no passport should be put back on the plane that they came in on. And it goes on and on. Now, as I say, right across the newspapers today, RTE making the headlines. RTE has published its strategic reform plan with the broadcaster saying that a voluntary redundancy scheme will particularly target those on over 100 grand. Now, it also caps the pay of the top stars, meaning meaning that nobody will earn more than the director general. It's still not to be sneezed at. It's 250k. RTE also plans to reduce staff numbers by 400 by 2028 through voluntary redundancy under a plan sent to the government. Now, one of our listeners, Liam, joins me now. Liam, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran, and good morning to your listeners. And lovely to talk to you, Liam. You have some thoughts on RTE at this point, Liam. What what are your thoughts? Well, my, my, it really started from the announcement that, that the government made um, prior to uh, Kevin, uh, what do you call uh, the RTE, yeah. Yeah, mm. making his statement. Uh, it, it would appear that the government announced that they were going to give uh, uh, $56 million to RT14 at first, I think, and then 40 next year. Uh, it, it, it's worrying me that uh, they're telling the people, that, as such, the government are telling the people one thing, and behind our, our, our backs they're doing deals 
uh, with RTE. But from Kevin Backworth's uh, announcement yesterday of the 400, sorry, Fran, I, I, I kind of I kind of don't believe that sort of thing. I believe what it was was a quick statement was brought out just to satisfy either A, the people, or B, the politicians. It's one or the other, because it doesn't stand up. You know, it doesn't really make sense the way he's talking. And I think at one stage when he was challenged, he actually let slip that, OK, it might be 400 because we wouldn't be able to operate such uh, services. Mm. It might be 250. So an awful lot of it is, is unbelievable, to say the least. And we had our minister, what's her name, uh, Catherine Martin, mm. saying, oh, there's going to be transparency and everything like this. The whole reason we're at the stage we are at the moment, Fran, is because there was no transparency. Mm. Even when they had all committees, that D Forbes one and the other, my, my lady, they held out to the very... Well, actually, D Forbes never came forward. No, they held out to the very, out, very end. Yeah, she's out sick, uh, same reason. Mm. And we heard all sorts of ridiculous things about about uh, 1,400 pairs of, 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 of cloth and things like that, mm. whatever it was. Flip-flops, the yeah. most Flip-flops, yeah. yeah. It, it shows to me that RTE management are not able to manage, and they've been getting away with it for years. I, I, I believe that what Kevin Burrard says is wishy-washy. I, I don't believe even he himself is capable of managing RTE. And as to what should we do with RTE, the answer is I, I actually don't know. RTE don't know. Now, Liam, do you hold with this thing that's being kicked around all the time that, you know, well, they have to be propped up, they have to survive because they are the public service broadcaster. Does that... Does that well, make... well I, I, I think it's great that Ireland as such has its own uh, broadcasting uh, cooperation and it has been fantastic for years. If you go back, and, and, and it'd be, I'd be a bit older than you and our friend, but if you go back to the rears and things like that, that was entertainment. But most of the time at the moment, I, I, I'm not a great RT listener at the moment, and the reason being is because I've seen so many repeats and repeats. Uh, I, I'm not actually interested. The only programme I, I look at now, every now and then is that Irish one, what's it called, uh, Ross in the Room? Is yes, that the one? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I find that now more entertaining and, and, and they're saying about uh, fair city and things like that. I don't actually know the programme, but mm. I would question the fact that if you have somebody like, like Ryan Turberty, and maybe Ryan Turberty was just thrown thrown into the mess of all this. Maybe mm. there's more to it than we actually know, but we'll use Ray Turnby at the moment. If he was on such high wages and mm. stuff, because he's entertaining. What about all the people that are, are in Fair City? Are they on 300,000? I doubt very no, much. Not and, anything like it. Seemingly, uh, the majority of them are rather poorly paid. And, and in fact, some comes. came out to say that when they're not actually on the on the TV, they actually have to go sign on the door. They do indeed, so, yeah. So yeah. How, how do we get to the situation that somebody like Ryan Turberty, and, and you mentioned yourselves before, Jerry Reinhardt, for instance, mm. and others, mm. and, and Pat Kenny and all that, were on something like five and 600,000 a year. How do we get to that? Because there was no accountability. They mm. didn't care. They thought they were actually an institution of themselves and nobody would touch them. And the government hadn't got the balls actually to go along and question it. Just throw money, throw money. I can never blame the presenters because like, if the company was stupid enough and prepared to pay them that kind of money, sure, oh, we'd, absolutely. we'd all take the money, Liam. You know? Oh, absolutely. After, oh, no, it's not to do with Ryan Turbody or, or mm. uh, the agents. I mean, that's what the, the nature of them is. I mean, definitely, not, I'm, I'm saying is, how do we get to the situation that 
and I repeat the man's name again, and, and the poor man is dead. How do we get to say that Jerry Ryan on 500 plus thousand a year? Yeah. How do we actually get to that? There was somebody in management that, that wasn't above their capabilities. That, that, well, you see, the capacity. excuse all the time there is that these guys have such high profile, they're bringing in big sponsorship, and, uh, you know, if they were lost to another station, that sponsorship might go with them and the listenership might go with them. Now, it's, it's proved over the years that that is not the case. Absolutely, and, and, and uh, for me, an ordinary person on the street, I look at television for entertainment, and if you say that to me that the Late Late Show is entertainment, sadly, I don't look at the Late Late Show and I don't find it entertaining. And if you say to me that Ross Naroon is entertaining, I would say yes, 100%. Mm. I, I can feel for this. I, I can go with this. But as far as the Late Late Show, bringing on people from America, give, what, giving them 20,000, 30,000 just to come into uh, Ireland for a 10-minute show, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I think in the old days of gay born and things like that, it was entertaining. Mm. But I think we lost the run of ourselves. And, and as far as Kevin Bathurst is concerned, I don't actually believe one word that came out of him yesterday on the basis that nobody's to get any more than him. And he's on, what, 250000 plus yeah. a year plus a, a car of 150000 plus mm. expenses. Mm. Uh, who in God's name is worth 6800 6, a week to be in the background? If he's worth 8600 how would the boys that are out the front directly giving us entertainment? I mean, how do they actually come to these figures? The T-shirt of this country is not that kind of money, and he's running five and a half million people. But, <clears throat> excuse me, is it not like with the banks, though? They they will tell you to get the right people to head up these corporations. You need to be paying this kind of money, Liam. Does that... Oh, I, I love that one. I love that one, Fran. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a certain uh, farming organisation. I won't mention the name. And the lady, I'll just say her first name, so I won't be bringing anything to that. Her name was Siobhan, mm. right? And she was on an estimated five and a half million a year. Mm. They were given the farmers 52 cents. I see the way I brought in the farming. Mm. Friendly, I know that. Nice, nice move, yeah, Liam. Yeah. Nice move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were given the farmers for 52 cents a litre, and with a stroke of a pen, they cut it down to 32 cents after the farmers investing billions in infrastructure. Mm. So, I mean, for a person to be worth five and a half million, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't buy that. It's a bit like the government going along and saying, oh, we had problems, you're all complaining about the county council and they're taking so long to do a job, we'll bring in the private sector. The private sector came in and they get, it took twice as long. They're putting in two flower beds at the moment in coma. Fran, as I've taken six weeks. God help us ever get to the what's called the flower shop. Six weeks to put in two flower beds. For is, the, for the dog, is, for the, is everybody getting cynical at this stage, Liam? No, 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 no. There's a difference between cynical and fact. Sorry about that, Fran. But to get back to our team, yes. which is what, what we're talking about, yeah. uh, what is the answer? Well, definitely uh, 250,000 is an excess for anybody. Be it, be it that they're on RT or uh, anybody else. My, 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 well, my well, Joe, Joe Duffy is on, a, I think, is it 360 or something? Three. God help us. Yeah. Um, even Jesus is not on that. But my worry is who's the people that's going to get shot down? This is the worry. There's, there's the actual genuine talent inside an RT, and I know that from friends of old. Yeah. Uh, I go back to the days of, of uh, John Bowman, if they're going to questions and answers. I've been going to RT for the last 30 years on them type program, Claire Burden, the whole. Yeah. I've been going to them for 30 plus years. Now, I find that entertaining, and, and i tell you why I find it entertaining, uh, not because it's just uh, I go into it. I find that you have raw people in an audience mm. that speak from the heart. You have none of this wishy-washy thing that government officials come out with. Yes. You know, they, yeah. they, they, 
this painting of different colours that we're meant to believe. Uh, I like them kind of are they called reality programs. I'm not sure what they're actually called. Mm. But I find them more entertaining because you've raw people coming up from the country, talking from the heart, and there's politicians and they're squirming. And you know that, I bet you don't know this, but you remember the days of Pat Kenny, whatever that was called, frontline or offline or no line, I, don't know, I can't remember what it was called. But for any politician to come into that sh- uh, show, they would have to be able to have six of their comrades to come in. So in the event that Fran Curry or somebody like that stuck him with a question, one of the six would jump up and say, oh no, I don't agree with Fran Curry. Yeah, this is yeah. the kind of thing that goes on in RT. So you your know audience I mean? is flooded with supporters and one thing and another. Absolutely, well, yeah. we've, we've lost the run of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, that them boys down in Cork, uh, what do you call uh, that program down in Cork there to be on in the, in the afternoon? Na- nationwide, more, is it? No. Oh no, yeah, the, no, the afternoon show thing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's more entertaining than half the things that's above in Donnybrook. <laughs> but what, what, what they're meant to do is they're meant to go along and get in proper management. The mm. management of there is wrong. Mm. You know, the, the, the really... The, but is it not the culture there is it, oh absolutely it, you know? of course the culture but nobody challenged it yeah. nobody and, and challenged you it. know the unions are out and about now and rightly so they, they have a very good reason to be but God knows the unions in RTE were some pain in the ass over the years I remember I appeared on the Late Late Show back in the 1980s would you believe Liam and mm. I mm. was playing a keyboard and an accordion you don't really need to know this but I moved a microphone so mm. that it could pick up the accordion and right. the floor manager ran over and put it back and said, you can't do that. Hold on there. Another guy had to come out and move the microphone. Oh, my goodness. You know. Oh, my goodness. So, it reminds me of my, my, my old days with chocolates. You couldn't get up in one tractor because it belonged to another fellow. Yeah, the unions are a dangerous thing. Actually, at the moment, the unions are out now with fire in their eyes and yeah. they're giving the comparison of what Norway uh, is paying their, uh, what would you call it, um, uh, channels. That's, yes. that's their excuse, Mum. We, we, we do that a lot in Ireland. When we want to bring in uh, charges for, 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 for household charges, we go along and say, look what they're doing in England. Yeah, I know. Look what they're doing. We, we're great at that. We're, we're no good at coming up with our own ideas and our own minds. Mm. I, I, I truly believe that the management is wrong. I don't believe the actors are wrong. I believe the actors are going to be the ones that are going to be cut, cut off, and that's wrong, because there is young talent there. And I I, I'm we... just looking at the screen in front of me, and let me put it to mm. you for your opinion, because mm. the general mm. consensus is that RTE is not a public service broadcaster, and that right throughout their, um, their broadcasting, there's an agenda. Um, to discuss, as they say in the Leaving Cert, Liam. Um, what, what do you think about that? Is is there a narrative from RTE? Is there oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You see, at the moment, as to who to pick and choose or who's going to broadcast from the, the war zones, which is quite sad. They, they, they pick one side over the other. Which mm. is right or which is wrong, I don't mm. know. But at the moment... Uh, it's I it's find Palestinian it, uh, at the moment, doesn't it? It's... Uh... <laughs> Yes, but uh, in relation to, to, to free advertisement, a politician will come on there and get 25 minutes of a platform free. If me and you go on, we have to have to pay for it. I mean, if, if we're announcing something. Mm. Uh, the, the politicians and RT are playing each, each other's hands. And I believe at the moment that uh, uh, the government are wrong. Uh, if this thing was released before Kevin Bachart was actually come out and say what he was going to do, if that was the case, the deal was done long ago. I, I suggest that Catherine Martin is talking over the side of her mouth in the sense that she's telling mm. the people one thing and she's doing deals behind sure, the back. They're going to get bailed out anyway, Liam. No, you know, oh, absolutely. But this, this won't be the first time, Fran. Yeah. In 12 months' time, it'll be the same story again. And it's not necessarily to do with the TV licence. It's to do with the quality of what they're producing given people. 
I mean, people never complained about the 160 euros. What they complained about was what they were getting. The repeat, it, yeah. repeat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we if we can't get our act together, well, then we should get somebody else. If we can't actually get our act together, cut them out of it altogether. RT are an institution on their own, and they, they're giving us what they want us to believe. And I, I don't believe half the stuff that's coming out from yesterday from Kevin Backer. I just actually don't believe it. The 400 people redundancies, how do you implement that? Voluntary. Well, uh, I, I suppose, I mean, what they're going to look to is as people get older and they retire, they just won't be replaced. I mean, that's that's the indication that we're getting here anyway. They won't be replaced by young talent. But the people that retire, uh, Fran, is going to cost us as much. Yeah. Pensions cost more sometimes than what the actual young people are getting there in RT at the moment. Right. You need young talent. It's a bit like government. You can't have 78 and 80 year old uh, politicians anymore. You have to have young people there. People with energy, people with ideas, people that will take risks. Are, uh, forgive the pun. People with a pair of balls. Forgive the pun for yeah. putting it that way. But we actually need that in our society at the moment. The world has evolved. And we need to evolve with it. And sometimes our phobies like me have to be put out the grass and bring in young talent that will make RTE a proper entertaining broadcaster. That's mm. what we need. Uh, yeah, maybe. Even, even though I see some of the young talent up there at the moment, I mean, behind a programme like The Late Late Show, and I think that because they don't have experience and because they're city-centric and all of that, I think they've destroyed a lot of the programming in RT. Oh, well, I mean, definitely so, but then they're only answerable to somebody else, and they're trying to do their yeah. best to come up with something. And it's a bit like Frank Curry years and years ago when he went to move a microphone. There was somebody up there to tell him, no, you can't do that. And it's a bit like that in RT. Even if you go up at the moment to them in the Denver programs, you're nearly told what to say. If you, if you go on... Oh, God, I shouldn't say this. If you go on Katie Hannon, you're actually given a card before you go in, and you have to sign out the questions that you're going to ask before you actually uh, go in on the studio. Are you so serious? People, yeah. ah, that's genuine. And then yeah. the politicians that come in have a look at that, and they can make up a fumble answer that me and you will believe, because they're artists at this. They're trained inside universities, and they go in, and they listen to young people uh, with energy in universities that absolutely ate the face off them. And that gives them courage to come back in and have the answers. The Mogans like me. I mean, I mean, I, I'm so gullible. I believe anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> I doubt that, so I doubt that. Well, so well, 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 genuinely, when 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 politicians come on and say yeah, we have to go along and bring in a household charge because the council can't afford to keep running, that's a lot of wacky. We we have a health service that can't survive. The household charge should be going to the to the to health insurance, not to pol- not to councils inside. Uh, twitching their thumbs, putting up statues that we don't need. I mean, we have a situation in this world where the, where the, the Koreans call Inamuri sleeping on the job. How many council officials inside are any OPW? I actually believe that Clonmel had flooding over the years, and the problem was not putting up walls to stop the water coming in. The problem was not taking out the dirt in the bottom of the basin. Friend, if you go along and get a basin and half fill it with with clay, and then you put in the same amount of water as it full, it flows out over the side. So I mean, we don't have actually good architects in this yeah, country you, to you, run the country. You see, you're applying logic to everything. You you need to stop doing that, Liam. Liam, <laughs> it's re- really good to talk to you, Liam. Real pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you, Liam. Friend. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you, Brad. Good morning. That's uh, Liam uh, speaking to us today. We'll take a break. Back with more in just a moment. 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 1800-938-007. Text WhatsApp 083-311-3311. We'll be doing gardening towards the end of the programme, so if you have a gardening query, log it with us, please, on those uh, numbers. Now, uh, Fair City could get the axe as RTE faces tough decisions to cut uh, costs. Uh, at the very least, it could be outsourced to some independent uh, company. Um, Anthony was in touch and joins me now. Anthony, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you from I'm, Limerick? I'm very well indeed. You're a big fan of Fair City, I believe. I am. I'll tell you a story. I was in the Excel there one day and um, Rachel Pilkington was in the cafe. Mm. So she went out and I said, oh my God. I said, that's the girl from Fair City. But she came back in and I got um, a picture with her, my friend Cathy Lyons in Tip Town. She said, did you not know as long as you're coming to Tip Town, Rachel is from there. But I'm a big fan of Fair City. Very good indeed. Yeah. And have you been watching it for for years, Anthony? You've I have. I even remember the storyline. Do you remember that storyline with Katie? It went on for a year. Do you remember where she was? Um, she got hostage, and the whole country was saying, "When is she going to escape? And when is she going to get out?" But um, I love Carol. I think Carol is lovely. Another actress in it as well. Yeah. Very fiery and. Bella Doyle. Bella was a legend. Yeah, he's retiring. Yeah. The, that's the great Jim Barty. Yeah, I think he's retiring, isn't he? Yeah, at the moment now he's going to be leaving. Like, but um, I'd love to visit the set. If anyone was listening this morning, or even go on Fair City. <laughs> oh, you'd like to be part of the 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 cast, would you? I love it. I I just think it's great to look forward to. You know, like you, everyone needs something to look forward to, and this is our Irish soap. We always give out in this country. Oh, this isn't good. That's not good. We need to keep our Irish soap. Glen Rose gone, so I think keep Fair City. I'm passionate about the program. Right, so you're concerned then at the moment that there's talks about at least outsourcing it, if not not axing it to to save someone. I think. Do you know that it costs fifty three thousand euro per episode to record? It's a lot of money. Fancy. It's a lot of money, isn't it? It sure is. But a true fan will never get up in this way if it's so often. I was talking to Doug, you know, Wes Style, and the show is a lot of legend as well. And they're just down to earth people. Like you know, just I think it's great to have it and. Wish them all well and hopefully it won't get the extra. Well, hopefully it won't happen indeed. Are you of an age where you remember Glen Rowe and and the like as well? Oh, I remember Fidelma in the barn and Miley oh, that's and Fidelma, Diddy. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and do you remember Michelle in the bar? She was on RT today. Remember the blonde one? I do Michelle. indeed. I do indeed. Yeah. 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 And Teasy. And, uh, ah, Teasy, Johnny, Teasy was great. Johnny she, Connors. Yeah, yeah. God, they were all great. <laughs> you're, you're bringing me back memories now, I can tell you. Oh, it was lovely. It was yeah. great there. And Bob, sure, Bob is in Fair City now. Do you remember Bob Charles? He was in um, Glenrow as well. Brian, Brian Murray, yeah. is it? Is that Brian Murray? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he was in Glenrow. I, I don't. Wa- I haven't watched it in years. You see, so I, 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 I don't know. But uh, you're still enjoying the storylines, anyway, Anthony, which is the main thing. I love it, and I'd love a pint in Mackay's after November. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, bet, I'll bet you would indeed. Listen, great to talk to yeah. you today, and do do look after yourself, Anthony. Thank you, and bye-bye to you now. That is a huge Glen Rowe fan uh, there. John joins me now. John, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you? Uh, good to talk to you. You have some concerns, John, about people wearing political emblems when they're in the workplace. I have indeed. I had the experience here uh, at two premises uh, the last two weeks. 
And we all know the horrific conflict that's uh, engulfing the Middle East at the moment, and mm. people are dying on all sides, and there seems to be no stopping it. But, I mean, I went into two premises, and I had to call the management, because um, on two occasions there was people wearing uh, Palestinian scarves, and I drew to the attention of the management, and because I firmly believe Frank, that like, if you wear something like that, whether it is an Israeli scarf, or whether it is a Palestinian scarf, or some any form of emblem, right, representing one of the two sides, you are picking a side, and what you are doing then, you are bringing the politics, your personal politics, into the workplace. And there are people coming in, again, uh, the public, who are neutral, and they'll pick one side or the other, or no side, and I don't think they should have to look at this because if you're Israeli, pro-Israeli, and you're seeing someone serving you with Palestinian scarf, it's going to slightly annoy you or the other way around. So I complain to the management about it's, this. It's interesting. Could I, I, could I ask you, John, if you saw somebody in a premises with a poppy, for example, would you complain to the management? I would, yeah, because... And even during the board referendums, the gay marriage and the eight amendments... Yeah. Uh, certain premises uh, in, in my jurisdiction, I mean, I had to do the same thing because they put the stuff in their, in their window and they picked the side. Look, when you're dealing with the public, friend, like, I mean, you can't pick a side because everyone that comes through that door is a neutral customer, right? It has to be treated yes. as a neutral customer. And you can't be shoving any emblems in their face. I think that's wrong. Well, do you remember, John, years ago they'd say that, you know, when you're in a public house particularly, don't discuss religion or politics. And I suppose yeah. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. in that. Well, well, there is because like, well, it's dangerous in, in public houses because you've alcohol on board yeah, and course, anything yeah. could kick off. But as a guy's retail, whether you're driving a taxi, driving a bus, whether you're uh, in an office that's dealing with the public, or a supermarket, a shop of any form whatsoever, right, uh, you shouldn't be displaying emblems because it will annoy somebody. It just shows that you're after picking a side, and that is going to annoy some people, and something could kick off on it. And there's an interesting thing that has emerged about a pub in Cork as well over the last couple of days where the entertainers uh, in question, they've been banned from singing Republican songs uh, because a percentage of the audience were were offended by that and the musicians, unless they agreed not to do that again, lost the gig, so to speak. Would you agree with that, for example? No, no, that's, I, I wouldn't because that's music, that's entertainment. You expect that in a pub. I mean, that'd be like someone standing, look, I don't want to listen to country western stuff. You know, I don't want to listen to jazz. I don't want to listen to whatever. But I mean, as regards when there's wars going on or referendums or whatever, I think all emblems should be kept out of the workplace, especially when you're dealing with the public. Right. So the the workplace is, is the big concern for you, is it, as opposed oh. to the public house or something? Well, I wouldn't worry about public house, but I would worry about, uh, as I said, people picking a side and kind of, to be almost shoving people's face when you come in. I don't want to be served by somebody who's after picking a side because, look, we all know what happened. Hamas was scumbags. What they've done was a disgrace. The Israelis are nearly bigger scumbags. What they're doing now, they're just carpet bombing people, men, women and children. Like So there's wrongs on both sides and it's been going back a long time. But I don't want somebody like shoving something into my face when I go into a retail outlet uh, that shows they're after picking a side and I have to look at that. I shouldn't have to look at it.
It's kind of hard to avoid, though, because I'm thinking, you know, local elections next year, European elections, and whenever, 2025 for a general election, if not sooner. I mean, inevitably, in the workplaces and in public houses and hotels, you'll see people with various, you know, lapel badges supporting one politician or another. Um, It's inevitable that you'll see people taking sides to some degree, John. Well, whatever happens, like, I mean, again, as I said, there should be no canvassing in public houses like, for locals or general elections or anything like that. But, I mean, when you're dealing with a conflict like this, I mean, where people are dying on a daily basis, right, and there's there's hatred on both sides and conflict, and there seems to be no interest, and no one can get a, a formula together to stop it. Uh, I think people shouldn't be picking a side because like, it annoyed me when I saw the individuals. I mean, I to the other way around, it would have annoyed me as well. For the simple reason, like again, as I said, I I'm neutral on this because one side is as bad as the other, mm. and I don't need it shoved in my face. Right? Yeah, it's interesting. I'll be speaking to Michael Lowry in in just uh, a little while about various different things, but we, we'll talk about that vote tonight. Yes, uh, and, that's uh, about the expelling of the Israeli ambassador. Just wondering, what, how do you feel about that, John? For example, no, I, I don't. I don't believe in expe- expe- expelling. Um, Ambassadors mm. like the Russia, the Ukrainian ambassador, whatever, that mm. solves nothing. You have to, especially when you've got Irish people over there, people with Irish passports mm. that are imprisoned there at the moment. You need to, to keep all lines of communication open. Like, and that's an ambassador's job. An ambassador is supposed to represent his own country, but he's also uh, responsible to the people that, of the country that he's in situ, which is here. Mm. And to me, like the Shinos and all that, show me more than I mean. Uh, that they want him gone. Like, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, you well, need to well it's the Social lines. Democrats that put forward that motion tonight. But yeah, yeah, the, the Sinn Féin certainly uh, of yeah. that opinion as well. And ju- just before they go, the, the mm. caller you had on earlier on this morning, David, excellent caller, like, mm. excellent points. Like, I mean, and to sum it up, like, I mean, like to put it all together, the pieces, like what he said was like, what's going on in this country at the moment? Like the Irish people, it was done 67%, I think, in, the, in Irish independent, were, were, were of the belief, and there's too many people yes. coming in here and has to stop now. And we're, the people of Ireland, at this present time, it's the worst government we ever had. And you know why? They're totally ignoring the wishes of the Irish people. What's going on with Martin of Ratkin is pure traitorism. That's, Simple as that. No, this is the second time I've said that this morning, but that's a big statement, John. They're traitors as far as you're concerned. Traitors. Traitors to the Irish people. They're, they're going uh, totally against, for the first time ever, they're the first gov- uh, connection of government, like with the three leaders that are there at the moment. And I'm going to throw Sinn Féin under the bus here as well. They're going along with everything as well. It's pure traitorism what's happening to the Irish people. There's people pouring into villages and towns and around the country, unvetted people, people from everywhere around the world, when we have massive problems ourselves in this problem, country. And they are taking the Irish people for granted. They are not listening to the Irish people. And that's where the traitorism comes in. John, really good to talk to you today, and thank you very yep. much indeed for Thanks that, John. For the time. Thank you, thank, thank you. you. Bye bye, yep. you know. That's uh, John. Uh, how do you feel about that? Oh eight three three double one double three double one. News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on! You can't beat experience with over fifty years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans. We like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. Oh six seven two four one 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 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double zero seven for your calls. It's a free phone. 
and uh, the text and WhatsApp 083 311 for text and WhatsApp. As I say, now, if you want to register for our match three game, now is the time to do so. And uh, just give us your name and your details. And if you want to put match three at the end of your message, we will pop you in the draw and give somebody an opportunity to win those fantastic prizes a little later on in the show. Now, Tipperary's TDs have been called upon to lobby the government to stop all new arrivals of refugees and international protection applicants into the country. I'm joined now by Tipperary Independent TD, Michael Lowry. Michael, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Have we lessons to learn from what happened last week in Cashel, Michael, and indeed the unrest in Ross Grey? Well, yes, I suppose if you take Cashel first, uh, Fran, there are lessons to be learned because... What happened in John Street was a very regrettable incident that caused a lot of anxiety and anger. And what happened here is that the department acted on an application for, for to house international protection applicants at number six John Street. And what was extraordinary is that the information on the application was taken at face value. It was not properly assessed or evaluated. So when local residents contacted me and others to tell us that 74 IPA applicants were coming to the property in John Street, I knew immediately that number six did not have the capacity or indeed the ability to accommodate the numbers. And I was also uh, very importantly aware that that property was already in use for the council and other agencies as emergency accommodation. And there is a clear policy understanding at national level uh, that accommodation and use for, for emergency purpose could not be interfered with or used for this purpose. So it also became apparent that the applicant intended uh, to use number five and number seven, which were houses adjoining. And it's probably two years ago since I was again contacted by local residents on John Street to say that work had started on modifications to number seven. Now, because that was a listed building, the council should have been notified uh, and that never happened. They weren't notified. Uh, the work should never have commenced without prior approval from the planning authority. So with all that in mind, um, I brought this to the attention of the minister and he immediately stopped the transfer of the refugees and established the facts and the true position of the buildings and the veracity of the information on the application. And you would have to be, friend, you'd have to be very critical of the lack of scrutiny by the department on receipt of that application. In other words, they, if they had done their homework, they would have seen immediately that this shouldn't happen and they would also have avoided the unnecessary uh, anxiety that was caused in cash. Is it an indication, Michael, of the desperation now where the department is concerned? Because I just heard a story and we, we haven't had the time yet to to make sure that it's correct, but another town in the county that, uh, you know, two premises are being bought at the moment with a view to housing uh, international protection applicants uh, as well. So, I mean, you know, what, what, what examination of these things? Is it just desperation at this point? Well, it's a good word, desperation, and there is desperation because Ireland has done its part, it has played its part. We've brought in 130,000 people who have been displaced for whatever reason. And what is happening now is, as a result of that, communities in Ross Grey and across the country are becoming overwhelmed and burdened due to the number of asylum seekers actually residing in their communities. Now, Fran, if you take Ross Grey, it's an ongoing example 
in recent times that town has been transformed due to the arrival of hundreds of international protection applicants. Yeah. The, the numbers are totally disproportionate to the local population and the vital services in the town are simply not able to cope and they're stretched way beyond their capacity. So what's, what has happened there is that by degrees the lives of local people in Rossway have been changed. We have had reoccurring incidents that have eroded the sense of security in the town and people do not feel safe on the streets. I'm being told by people from Rossway that parents are fe- fearful of allowing their teenagers out after dark. Families and older people have had to have increased security in their homes. People's lives have been changed, their routines have been changed. So, and the big issue uh, currently in Rossway, and I took this up and discussed it with the T-shirt last week, is the people feel very vulnerable because the fact the Garda station yeah. is closed at night. Garda have appealed to me and to others for additional resources. They're short in numbers. They're under enormous pressure and they're not able to cope with the increase in the incidents. And to put that into perspective, there are seven Garda presently stationed in Ross Grey. It's not so long ago since we had 24 Garda stationed in Ross Grey and that was when the town and life in the town was much quieter and calmer. So, you know, it's regularly closed to the public. The Gardaí, as I said, are under enormous pressure. Even they have to, you know, there's Gardaí's work in recent years has increased because of oversight. Uh, there's a huge amount of paperwork involved. And I've met the Gardaí and some of them have told me that they actually to get the amount of paperwork done and to catch up, they sometimes have to close the station even when they're in it. Yeah, and we've had two Gardaí, of course, injured recently in an incident in, yeah. in uh, the town as well. So, Michael, is it time to stop? Do we need to close the borders now? Is that it? Well, I think there's two things needed. First of all, we need to have far more scrutiny in relation to people who are coming in who are claiming that they're coming from war-torn countries. We have uh, several examples of individual single men uh, are in- entering the country, being allowed to enter the country without proper vetting. Uh, if you look for any kind of a job in Ireland at the moment, you have to be vetted as to your suitability. It is unfair to land a lot of these people into communities that people don't know where they came from, they don't know what their past record is, they don't know uh, what kind of individuals they're dealing with, and people are frightened of the unknown. And that, that's that's a real a, a real issue. And then this, it, this, the issue, as I said, in regard to Ross Gray, every town around the country, in my view, has been generous in their support have been welcoming and that's the way it should be but there's a time when you have to put a cap on it and there's a time when you have to stop and is this the time it is the time i think it is the time i think we have to look at it uh, like the government have made a decision in recent times that they're going to look at the level of social protection and fran it's a fact of life that many of those people first of all went to france some of them went to spain more of them went to italy and more of them went to Portugal. And eventually they realised that Ireland was the place to be. So they moved to those destinations first. Then they realised that there was a better and more generous social protection system here. And they made a second move to Ireland. Now, that shouldn't happen. So the government have said that they're going to move in relation to the equalisation of social protection and set a figure. Uh, also, the government are saying uh, that there's now a mechanism within Europe that if you if you reach capacity and are unable to take further numbers, uh, that you could make a contribution to the European Commission Fund, 
and they will give that money to other countries who are in a position to take applicants. Yeah, even though some people find that even ridiculous when you consider the numbers that we have taken in here and you looked after so generously, Michael, that now we have to pay not to take in others. It sounds ridiculous to ordinary people out there. You, I'm sure you'll agree. Well, there's an agreement with the European Union and the European Commission. We obviously have a responsibility and an obligation uh, under the international rules and regulations to accommodate displaced people. As I said, we have been generous. We've done our bit. And it gets to a stage where you ask the question, how much more can we do? And, and like the problem that they have is the problem that you were talking about now, Fran, at the start of the commentary there was... Is a, is a real one where rumours are circulating. Every property that comes up now or is available, yeah. people next door or people in the town are ringing us, asking us, is this going to be used for, for migrants? Or That's an issue. So, but I, I effectively, the, the Minister, Roderick O'Gorman, is saying that he has a full house sign up. He's scrambling for, for looking for accommodation. And I suppose that's the position we're in and that's what's causing the problems. Yeah, again, I'm looking at the screen in front of me here. I mean, you know, people are branded as racist and right and all of the, you know, if they've spoken out about this. But a lot of ordinary people have been making these points that we're making, Michael, for about a year well, and a half at this point, you know. Yes, I'm certainly not racist. Uh, I have been very much involved in facilitating and welcoming uh, particularly Ukrainian people into Ireland and not alone that but when they arrive here I've been to the forefront with local communities in supporting them, making them feel welcome, giving them the kind of assistance and advice and guidance that they require. So I don't take any of that nonsense. Uh, bottom line here is there is a capacity issue and it has to be dealt with. And it's not fair to refugees to put them into campsites. It's not fair, particularly with Irish winters, to be putting them in under shelter that's not adequate. We wouldn't do it to our own people and we shouldn't do it to those. Um, can I ask you about that Doyle vote on the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador to uh, Ireland? It's uh, brought by the Sock Dems. Uh, the government is against the notion of expelling um, the Israeli ambassador. And that vote is happening today. Where, where do you stand on that, Michael? Well, it's not just the social Dems. Sinn Féin, uh, Mary Lou, got a rousing reception when she asked for the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador at the weekend. And my reaction to that, Fran, is that it's a knee-jerk reaction. It's a populist reaction to expel the ambassador. As, uh, as the, uh, you know, on these things, you have to be sensible and you have to be pragmatic. And the important thing to remember here is that no real consideration has been given to the consequences of such a drastic move. Like, it's a highly sensitive move. It's a highly sensitive time for a move that will have diplomatic repercussions. And like, like, what? As, well, like what, do you think? Well, you know... There was no risk assessment done before they put down this motion as to the likely impact of the safety of Irish diplomats and our soldiers on the ground. I have had call friends, and this is what people wouldn't understand, soldiers don't make direct representations, but I have had calls from mothers and fathers, particularly from mothers of soldiers, expressing worry and concern uh, that this type of action, this expulsion, would escalate the risk to their husbands, to their sons and their daughters in uniform on peacekeeping missions in the Lebanon and the region. Now, it's, the, the fact is, if you think it through, Israel would immediately reciprocate by expelling our ambassador from Tel Aviv. And this would uh, reduce the likelihood of evacuating our citizens from Gaza 
it would also ensure the risk of an Irish post being shelled as a reprisal, that that risk would increase. And the other thing that they haven't looked at is medical care is provided uh, for our Irish soldiers in Israeli hospitals, and that would be compromised. And the other thing that uh, Sinn Féin and the uh, Social Democrats haven't considered is that you need to understand that 10% of our army, which is almost 500 personnel, are constantly deployed in the Middle East. Our UN, UN peacekeepers and our diplomats, they've already done their bit. They're already doing their bit to prevent the widening of the conflict to Lebanon, to Syria and to the West Bank. And, friend, you know, diplomats are needed at all times but they're especially needed at a time of conflict. Sure, sure. So but I what they would say to you, Michael, needed to say is that, you know, what is it now, over 11,000 people, maybe considerably over 11,000 people, dead in Gaza at this uh, point. You know, a lot of them women and, uh, unfortunately, babies and children as well, you know. so Yes, it, I, 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 I absolutely agree that what is happening now in Gaza through the Israeli forces must be stopped. I think sanity must prevail, solutions must be found world leaders must unite in the name of peace and to broker a charter to stop this madness. And, you know, I think what we need to understand as well is that the Israeli Israeli Gaza situation, that conflict is one of long-standing. It's very complex. There has been an uneasy peace there for years with sporadic violations of the established accords. Now, the world is convulsed at the moment with that tragic situation. But friend, what we have to realise as lay people that this was a volcanic situation waiting to erupt. I mean, five weeks ago, it happened with horrific consequences. But it really is a failure by the international political community to see it coming and to broker a solution. So there's now universal agreement, including from our government, that an immediate ceasefire is necessary in the interests of humanity. And all of us, you know, seek and pray that that will happen. But you will vote with the government on that motion? I will vote with the government on that motion. I will vote on the government with the two motions. There's two motions down for voting tonight. One is to uh, expel the Israeli ambassador. I'm not going to vote for that for the reasons that I've now outlined to you. I I think it's dangerous uh, and it's putting our people uh, under unnecessary harm. And the second one then is referral to the to the courts of the Israeli. Mm. Yeah, that has already been referred into 2014. Those investigations are ongoing. There's an inquiry team already in place. A lot of their work is done. And obviously they have a lot of new information and atrocities that they have to look at. But Frank, could I say um, one thing I would like to say? I will be criticising the Israelis, but I have to say that Hamas are culpable and responsible for starting the current round of barbaric hostilities. And people need to understand that Hamas are not Palestinian freedom fighters. They're a terrorist organisation. They're supported by Hezbollah fundamentalists. They're funded by Iran. And their determination is to wipe out the Jewish population. So when Hamas entered Israel and committed those unspeakable atrocities, 1,300 people were slaughtered. It was gruesome. I mean, I have to say, when I was looking at it, I was absolutely shocked to the core. Women, children, young men, old men, dismembered and butchered. Women raped and set on fire. Babies burned in electric ovens. It was outrageous. 
So it was inevitable and, that and, the Israeli... And most people would, would agree with you profoundly on what you're saying, but, you know, the proportion of the retaliation, I mean, it was described, I think, by the Taoiseach himself as being uh, revenge at this point, Michael. So. Yes, none of, none, of, none of us will condone the Israeli, but the problem, yeah. the problem is... Hamas acted in the full knowledge of reprisals. They they acted in the full knowledge of consequences. Those Hamas withdrew to the bunkers and their underground enclave. They knew that Gaza would be bombarded and they knew that they were deliberately sacrificing Palestinians, unfortunate Palestinians, by putting their bunkers and chambers underneath the civilian buildings and public buildings and, and, and locations. So it's a horrible mess there. And, and yeah. there's two sides to it. And there's a, whenever there's two sides in conflicts like that, the only way forward is through dialogue, through peace initiatives. And like you take if Ireland withdrew its ambassador, the Israeli ambassador, our ambassador will be sent home. We have a role to play. We have a lot of experience because our own... Uh, learnings from Northern Ireland and the peace process, we can contribute to a peace solution between Gaza and Israel, the Palestinians and Israel, and the solution needs to be found. Uh, the other issue, briefly, if I can talk to you about, I mean, we were talking about what's going to be uppermost uh, in in the conversations when, when the elections uh, um, come about, Michael. Housing has to be the great one as well. Um, what, what about housing in Tipperary at this point? Housing in Tipperary uh, fan is not as good as we would like it to be, but it's much better than it is in many other counties. Unfortunately, uh, we have still too many people who require accommodation and who need assistance for housing, and we're doing everything we can. It's, a kind of, it's widely known that North Tipperary County Council has delivered in relation to the construction of uh, social housing. And I suppose, look, it's, it, there's no point in saying anything else, uh, Fran. It is the issue of the day. Housing is at the top, but health is probably next. And Sinn Féin have quite rightly identified housing as a political issue at the weekend. Mm. Everyone can see the extent of the prom- problem. The government have brought forward numerous incentives and measures. Uh, they have introduced them to tackle the problem. Uh, Mary Lou tells us that Sinn Féin will deliver a change and a dramatic increase in house building. and But I have to say, I was listening during the weekend when she was pressed in the media interviews about the number of houses to be built if they did get a first term in office. She was unable or unwilling to say what that number would be. So I'm in the doll most days. We listen every day to the colourful rhetoric. I think, Fran, it's now time for Sinn Féin to tell us the details of the proposals and to tell us exactly how and when they hope to achieve these targets. Well, par- part the of big... what they're saying, Michael, I suppose, is that they would bring on board, what is the 56,000 vacant premises out there, vacant houses out there at the you, moment? You can't, yes, we do. The government understands, and I understand, that we need to do an awful lot more for, to take houses out of dereliction, to bring vacant properties back into use. And to do that, plan, uh, also, we need to reduce the planning bureaucracy that delays construction. Yes, and that's what they're but saying the big, as well, because the delay on that could be up to two years where, where a decision is concerned. You know? Fran, the only, way, the only way you can build houses to the extent that Sinn Féin and the rest of us want them built is you have to, the construction sector is our problem. There is no capacity in the construction sector. The bottom line here is that 
you have to get the, over the, the capacity issue because of the huge restriction and the constraints that exist there at the moment. Loads of money available. The government are making the money available, but the skill sets are not there. We don't have enough block layers. We don't have enough plasterers. We don't have enough roofers. We don't have enough electricians. We don't have enough plumbers. And developers, what's happening there at the moment is, I see it on sites. Sites are delayed. Sites haven't even commenced because developers are competing with each other for the skills that are required. But to are do the are we making good? And this is one of the points that Owner Bryn made, Michael. Are we making enough of new technology, for example? You know, the modular homes, all of that kind of thing that could be created in factories someplace else and arrive on a site. Are we, are we doing enough in terms of, you know, be, having a vision, being well, I, creative about it? Yeah, I, I know of five, and, I, and this is one of the criticisms you hear. Uh, I mean, I, I hear it, people ring me, I pe- meet people that have housing uh, need, and they say to me, how, how come you could put up the, the construction of houses, the demountable houses, the modular houses for the Ukrainians, you couldn't do it for us? And I think that's a very valid question. Now, I, we have a modular home construction company in Nina. They're absolutely chock-a-block. They're doing exceptionally well. There are four other companies across Ireland, and every one of them are, have a full order book from government agencies, in particular from the Housing mm. Department. So they, they are being the modular... But, but it's sites. Uh, the hold-up, hold as I understand it, Michael, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is, is the site, and again, the bureaucracy around that. Is that not the case? Yes. Uh, planning is a major issue, Fran. I mean... The planning, the planning process is too slow, it's too cumbersome, and too many people can interject mm. and stop a planning process. Yeah. You then have this legal complex issues in relation to public sites, pipe, sites that are in government ownership that are not becoming available. And the fact of it is, you do have this rivalry. There is rivalry within departments that, that have properties on the ground. You know, they all want to protect their own. And that's something that we have to overcome as well. But I do think we're making progress on housing. It's not fast enough. Uh, but uh, everybody, I think, in the political life understands that housing is an issue that has to get priority. And just before I go, um, your old friend, uh, Councillor Michael Fitzgerald, has decided uh, not to go forward next time around. Um, a lot of disappointment about that, in fact, Michael. Yes, that's understandable that there would be because Michael is a massive loss to public yeah. life. Uh, in fact, we were both elected on the same day to the council uh, in, the, in June 1979. So over the years, we've enjoyed a very good friendship. And I have to say that I always admired his commitment and his tenacity. And above all, he has fantastic knowledge of the local authority system. And he developed into being a formidable politician. So he was always a people's man. He's the interest of his constituents was always to the forefront. Uh, in my view, he was an outstanding representative and he was a fantastic ambassador for Fine Gael. Uh, he was, I suppose, what all politicians strive to be. He was consistently popular throughout mm. his career yeah. and he commanded huge votes. And apart from the, the thousands that voted for him, he also commanded widespread respect, uh, respect with other uh, you know, oh, cross-party. Yeah. Yeah. Cross yeah. And I think, Fran, it could be just a time to reflect as well that we've lost Seamus Hannafin and Gerard Darcy. Mm-hmm. They're also leaving the council. and uh, They're both long-serving members. They're very efficient. They were effective councillors. And uh, it, it's difficult to replace members of that calibre. And uh, people need, again, I think, a reminder that being a councillor is a, a very demanding 
were old. Mm. The workload, the extent and the variety of the issues to be dealt with are expanding all the time. And I know, Fran, from listening and talking to my team of five councillors, they're always busy. It involves huge commitment and personal sacrifices. So if Eddie Moore and Shane Lee, Michael mm. O'Mara and Rocky and Michal are constantly in demand and they're on the go. So people should recognise that it's not an easy job and that is why political parties are finding it difficult at the moment, Fran, to get enough to get new uh, candidates put their name forward. All right, Michael, I must leave it there, but thanks for your time this morning. Thank you and good, mo- good you. morning Appreciate to you. About that, you. Thank now, thank that's you. Uh, Deputy right. Michael Larry speaking to us this morning. 1800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning to you. I've got to talk to you today, Davy. What was it that Michael Larry said that upset you? Well, I thought his interview was bland and as clear as mud. Basically, what he stands for after all, I don't know. But he did mention he did mention nonsense in the part of his in a part of his interview. He'd have he'd have nothing to do with this nonsense. We're entitled we're entitled to our opinion on who enters the country, who we see around the place, who lives beside us, who's getting more than we are. And for him to dismiss it as nonsense... Well, in fairness, the word nonsense I think he used in connection with the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador, Davy. No, I don't think he did. Yeah, I, I think he's pretty much in agreement in terms of people's opinion on the amount of people that we've allowed into the country at this point. Yeah, well, I thought it was as clear as what interview now, I'd have to say, where, we, where he stands on it. Does he stand for expulsion? Does he stand for stopping? Mm. Uh, now, he also went into the the Israeli and the Palestinian situation. He said, we have Palestinian, we have Irish citizens. What are Irish citizens doing in these places mm. if they needed our protection? And, uh, I mean, obviously Irish people are all over the world in all sorts of situations. Well, uh, as, 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 in, as in Irish, these, these must be people that got Irish citizenship. Right. But if they needed it in the first place, what are they doing there? And what do you think about the Israeli ambassador? I mean, do you think he, he, he she should be expelled? Well, no, I don't. Uh, diplomacy, I suppose, is everything. But, uh, but is that not the uh, point yes, that Michael Lowry was making? Yeah, oh, he was on that issue. Yeah, yeah okay. he, uh, okay. I agree with that, yeah. 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 But, but um, these, uh, the Israelis were put in, in a dreadful position over what happened. Yeah. Um, and he said international, the international community had their eye off the board. If he thinks the international community was going to uh, get Hamas to, to behave or whatever, mm. well, then I think he's a bit naive about that. Um, and I, and how, I, how do you view that situation there? I mean, the retaliation of the Israeli, the Israeli Defence Force, for example, and government, how do, do, you, do you see that as revenge at this stage? Or do you see it as a proportionate response? How do you well, view that, uh, Davey? If, if I if I put myself in a position like that that my family was desecrated like that or something I would I would I would want to get to the end of it. Mm. Uh, I, I look there are innocent people involved, but Hamas knew what they were doing. They're hiding under tunnels, and they could come out with their hands up and say, "Look, this is over. The game is up." They mm. won't do that. Yeah, well, they're they're not going to do do that no matter what no, the cost no, is. I suppose. No, no. Well, then what do you do? They knew the Israelis were going to do this. I'm not, I, 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 morally, I don't know if it's right or wrong. 
if it was, if it was my position, would, I, would I, the Israeli or the Israeli leader, the pressure was on him as well. He took his eye off the ball as well with his security problems. But anyway, he certainly did, and you'd imagine he will pay a price for that at some point uh, or other. Because yeah, I, you know, it's very hard for people I, to get their head around that. In fact, how that managed to happen with the yeah. expertise of Israeli intelligence that is renowned all over yeah, the world. You know, yeah, yeah, renowned, renowned yeah. the world. Yeah. So it's going so to. Be, I don't know yeah. how it happened, but it did happen. Yeah. So you weren't impressed with the the interview with Michael, anyway. You 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 thought it. Well, 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 in the sense that he mentioned the word nonsense in there. I didn't think this was about the ambassador. Hmm. But maybe maybe I misheard. Yeah. But where, where, what was his position on any of this? Do we have enough people in the country? He, these people have to face the electorate soon. And I would, I would hope that somebody will come forward and put themselves that, that may represent the views of... Uh, 75% of the population of Ireland. But you can already see, Davy, that where the Taoiseach and the Taunister are concerned, I mean, that they're doing a little swing and roundabout about this at this point, and they are admitting that there is a capacity issue, but a year ago they wouldn't they wouldn't admit that. So. Yeah, well, 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 look, they're playing politicians, they're kicking the touch, yeah. and, and, they won't do, and they won't do anything about it, and they'll hide behind the fig leaf of, of law yeah. all the time. And do you think in the upcoming elections that immigration, asylum seeking, all of that. Will that be huge, do you think, in terms of how people vote? Well, well, it will, but who's, who's, who's going to... Re- the same uh, the same candidates won't represent us anyway. Mm. So so you'll have to have a change of candidate. Now, I'm not... I don't want anarchy in the country, but these people that, that we've elected for... This is going on more than five years, or te- this is going on 10 or 12 or 15 years, and mm. uh, they knew that... This was coming. This is coming all over Europe. And and do you uh, feel that the current government, for example, are they not representing the opinion of the Irish people at this point? Absolutely not. If you if you have opinion polls that says seventy five percent of people think we have enough, we've done enough, hmm. we can't take any more. And those numbers have been well, fairly consistent for for some time. Yeah, yeah. they have been. Yeah. And you look you look at the political. I'm glad to be able to talk that you're able to talk about. It. I'll give. Give uh, publicity to it mm. because you look at the television panels, the presenters, the journalists that are on, the politicians. Are, they're all on the same hymn sheet. Where where are they coming from? Like they don't represent. At, at, and seventy five percent might be conservative. It could be eighty ninety percent. So are you saying to me, David, that there's a narrative there that is being uh, pushed? Absolutely, they, that there is a narrative there. I don't know what it's about or how it's going to help us in the long run. Mm. And, and so we, we're being exploited. Yeah, and, and are you saying another side of the conversation is not is not being heard where where national media is concerned? No, apart apart from the local radio, and I only listen to your local radio, by the way, and well done. And thank you, thank you. Uh, other, other 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 than that, there is no discussion in in the country on these things. And why why do you and think pe- that is, Davy? Oh, I know. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Why, why would anyone go against the population of their own country mm. and their views? Yeah, I, well, I can't. There can't be a hundred percent endorsement of this kind of policy in in the parallel in Ireland. 
Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure how scientific it is, but I, I can only judge on what we're getting in here by way of text and WhatsApp and phone calls and, and uh, emails and all of that kind of thing. And it seems to me that the general consensus out there is that we've done all we possibly can at, at this point. And now people in our communities are, they're afraid, they're intimidated, they're concerned, all of these things. Yeah, well, they, they see what's happening now. If we were living in Dublin or in some of the bigger places, like we'd see more. Mm. And and uh, but it's hidden from us. The, the mainstream media don't show you anything or tell you anything. I've, I've seen stuff in Limerick and everything. You say, I'm nearly a stranger here on the streets. You know what I mean? Nobody was doing anything wrong. Let me add. Yeah, yeah. But but, but you, you're starting to feel a stranger in certain ways. And, and, and that's because what that you're 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 constantly meeting people from from other places, other uh, nationalities. Yeah, well, you, well, well, you know, you know, they're not Irish. Yeah. You hear them, you see them. Yeah, you know, they're not Irish. And uh, are they walking? I'm retired. If I was walking around uh, Limerick or wherever or a bigger town, I'm, uh, basically my di- my working life is done. But these people should be working, or they should be doing something as well. And you see, the thing is, Davy, and I know from 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 chatting to you, you're a reasonable, decent fella. But you know that even that observation could be viewed in some quarters as being racist in some way, or incendiary, or right wing. Or does that does that concern you? Uh, no, no, because because if it did, if it concerned everyone, well, then we'd be overrun completely. Hmm. Uh, uh, I, what's racism like? I don't call any fella a name because of where he comes from. And on a one-to-one basis, I'm respectful to everyone. Mm. But as a mass movement, as a mass movement, and then ignoring our wishes, well then, I don't know where we're going. And uh, and you're indicating to me that, that, like myself, you're not in the first flush of, of youth. But have you seen drastic changes over the last, let's say, 20 years, for example? Yeah, of course. Well, Well, the changes are... As you said, you you could basically, and I'm not, I'm not, I was never nasty about things, but you could basically say anything one time. People are afraid to open their mouth about anything. I, I, you had a vox pop from um, from Ross Gray the other day. I was listening to it on on, yeah. And people are saying, I I, I, I don't want to comment. Yeah. I, I could be a racist. Yeah, yeah. But how can a reasonable comment be a racist? I, I don't know if you're making an observation. If the, it's you know, I mean, if it's not coming from a place of hatred or from yeah, you know, I mean, if it's an observation and if it's a concern about your community, I can't see what's wrong with that. But you know, I mean, there's well, legislation the, the people... that that we might be looking forward to that might sort of close down our conversation, for example. Now at the moment, you know. Well, that's frightening, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Frightening, yeah, and. Uh... We should be really worried about a lot of things that are going on in the country. All right, Davey. Good to talk to you today. And you look after yourself. Well, thank you. Thanks Thanks for having me on. You're thank welcome. You. Welcome anytime, Davey. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Davey. Let's go to uh, Martin now. Martin, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? Uh, good to talk to you today, Martin. Your your point is? I was just uh, um, seeing some information there about Canada. Seemingly, Canada is going to double its uh, immigration or double just bringing in millions more. Yeah. And like, and you have the government telling you that um, they want to slow down, or, or I don't know if they want to slow down, but they're looking at the amount of people coming into the country. 
Uh, if you follow back to history, looking at the government, they say they're going to do something and they're investing in buying all these properties. Like I just heard they're talking about buying, house, they're buying houses, investing old folks' homes. This is all I'm, I see. They're not doing that just not to bring in people. And what? what so what's your theory behind it? I think oh, it's, it's, it's a driven thing. If you go listen to the you go, I was listening to the Australian Parliament, I was listening to Malcolm Roberts, and I think it was the other one talking about and what they were saying was they're bringing in all the, the migrants to drive up the GDP. So falsify the GDP numbers. Also, there's another side to that, and I suppose there's a thing going on there at the moment. There's, uh, there's people, actually, they're qualified doctors, retired doctors, and they're talking about access dates, all the dates in the country, different countries. I see learning's running very high, but you won't get this information on RTE. These are bringing up the statistical data that the governments have around, different, around the world, and they're actually naming them up, but not the documentation. You can look at yourself and and they're going through it. So, and we have an aging population. Our population, we're not replacing ourselves. So, if we're not replacing ourselves, um, and how, how many billion are we in debt? Is it 289 billion? How, how realistically are we going to pay off 289 billion if we don't have a population, a working population, or some kind of population come, coming on behind? older generation. I think there's a number of factors going on. Well, cer- certainly in, in, in the Canadian situation that you make reference to there, I mean, they, they have uh, increased uh, their immigration targets several times in, in recent years, but in their case, I mean, it's to boost the workforce and, like ourselves then, an ageing population there uh, as well, yeah. and that's why they're, they're bringing in such numbers. I know, it's just kind of Australia, they're, they're saying kind of the same state, you're bringing in numbers to try to they're kind of putting in a different way. Different way. They're saying it's, it's like it's like falsifying the GDP. But if you look in America, what's going on at the moment in America in the banking sector, they're saying that the sixth bank has already gone. It's gone closed. I think it's the Citizens Bank. Mm. And they're saying that it's, it's, it's a kind of like it starts in America, doesn't come to cross into Europe. I mean, you see this, the price of everything's, everything's so expensive, everything's costing much inflation is being driven up. And most of that is to do, do government spending and printing money. And you have to look at the government are saying they're getting the money from big corporations. But if you pull out the big corporations and look at the landscape, what have the government done for the people? If the big corporations walk out of the country in the morning, what industries are left in the country? There, there's your, there's your, there's well, the, your there, there's very government. little indigenous yeah. uh, industry so at, the, uh, at the yeah. moment. Yeah, so there's what, there's exactly what the politicians have done to the country. They're depending on foreign big corporations who pay little or no in, or mm. little or no um, corporate tax. Yeah, well, well we're, like we're the, making quite a few bob out of their corporate tax, even know, though that's know, that's beginning to slide at the moment. Yeah. I know that, but it's, a, it's like it's, it's the industries are suffering. God, should look at Germany. Germany's guys are, are completely deindustrialized, and they're talking about Germany is in deep trouble at the moment financially. Mm, very much so. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and it's the same. They're talking about doing the same thing now. Just, I, I was listening to one of the was the Iceland Icelander or ministers talking there, and he said that the new parties came in. I think it was the Greens and somebody came in and they come in with liberal ideas. And they're actually talking about deindustrialising Iceland. What, do you know what I'm saying? Breaking it down as well. I'd have, you'd have to ask, who's driving this agenda? Where is it Well, who, who do you think is driving I'd, this I'd, agenda? I'd, well, I'll I'd, I'd tell you what. No, I'll tell you, give it a good one. There's a fantastic documentary online. If people look up The Swarm. Mm. Look up The Swarm. And it's by Dr. She. I think it's Shiva. He's a PhD. He came from, he actually came from India, I think it was. And he came from a caste 
system. Yes. They actually care. And people should be looking at the type of systems or value systems that these people come from. He came from a caseism, uh, mm. and he was explaining how they treat each other. They, uh, in, and it's, it's brutal. It's, it's not nice. And but actually, you, but you, we've, we've, we've all experienced a kind of a caste system over the years, would you not think? Yeah, I mean, but, uh, yeah but the thing about it, Fran, if you're talking about just a, a population, a small population, but when you're bringing in different diaspora into the mix, look, you've got, you've got the Muslim population there as well. And uh, most people, I'm actually sitting down at the moment now, and I'm looking at the, at the religious debates. I'm looking at the Christians and the Muslims having mm. actual debates about the Quran and the Christian. And I tell you, and these are academic scholars and, and, and there's referees or, or, or moderators involved in this, and they're reading off the verses of the Bible and the verses of the Quran. Do you want to sit down and listen to those conversations? I would scare you, man. If that's their how, religion, how do you mean the, com- the, the, the comparison between the Quran yeah, and, and look, yeah, look, the Bible? Yeah, look, yeah, look they, so they, they argue about... They, well, the, the Quran the is a much, much more recent book than the exactly, Bible. Is. Yeah, exactly. It's a couple of hundred yeah. years more recent, and so they're having debates about the different aspects of the valid, validity of the verses. Are they true? I'm saying when you reverse back to where they came from, and they've got different books then, or different um, or academics, people they looked at who have added verses more to give more yes. meaning to the words. But uh, people should sit down and look at the value systems that are coming into the country. Sure, I've seen there a couple. I was a year to a debate. I was abroad. In. Should look at England. Some of the cities and towns in England are completely taken over. There's no more. There's no English. They're all just taken over. They're just completely replaced. Mm. I don't think people are looking out wide enough. And RTE, you're talking about RTE, also garbage. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't give anything. They don't have a debate. They just don't have a debate. They bring on people who have the same mind view. What you want is someone who's completely contradictive to the other one. So they argue about the actual the point. And when you're listening as, a, as an observer... You're actually hearing the actual points they're arguing about. But when you bring on two people that are very, very similar, you don't hear anything. You don't learn anything from it. And that's why so you, like you need, media. So you, you need to hear opposing views is, 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 yeah, is what exactly. you're saying to me, yes. Yeah, you need to hear people who are, are completely opposed and then they lay out what the wider opposed. And then you have the other opposite side. It's like a debate, um, Frank. You yeah. hear the opposing and the po- and, and the people for and against. And, and just, and just finally, because because that. I'm I'm almost out of time, uh, Martin. But in terms of the numbers that we're allowing in here, and I was speaking to Michael Larry about this and several of our contributors as well. Uh, do we need to shout stop now? Is it is? Uh, I mean, have we done all we can? Well, I suppose, Fran, if you look at Germany now, Germany has gone into hysterics. They're talking about closing the border. So yeah. is France. They're talking about deportation. De- depor- deportation yeah, and... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, mass deportation. And Sweden, Sweden has called in the military. Sweden has got out of control. They've actually called in the military. Yeah. I think it was on the 29th of September. And, and look at what Prime Pakistan Minister. is doing at the moment as well, yeah? Millions of people, they you, want to and deport you. Yeah. And then you've got the Hamas thing going on in Hamas. But the funny thing about Hamas is most people don't realise that Israel created Hamas and they were funded by America. And there's two, tri- over, I think it's over two trillion worth of gas and 500 billion off gas of course. Most people don't have a clue about that. Yeah, you see, you trace anything back far enough and you can find all sorts of uh, correlations there. Re- Ma- yeah, Martin, reason. it was really good to talk to you. I'm not cutting you off in the least, Martin, but no, I'm heading no, towards news. Re- really not good to talk to you, Martin. Thank you. Thank you for talking to us today. Thank you. 1800 938 007. News and information is coming up. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Uh, welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. Don't uh, forget gardening towards the end of the hour and uh, your gardening queries, please, to 0833 Huge amount of correspondence to us today and we always appreciate that. Thank you. One listener says, uh, I have to say I'm all for helping uh, those who are genuinely see- seeking safe shelter, women, children, uh, the vulnerable, etc. It's now gone to the stage you either feel racist, sexist, biased, etc. If you voice an opinion or if you're asking who is looking to be homed in our communities. I'm very concerned, as we all know. It's not only the vulnerable that are coming into our communities. We will get the good, but also an element of the not-so-good. I live in Killinall. It's a small community. Very few amenities, not even a cafe or a restaurant at this point. We've welcomed so many into our community and are delighted to offer them safe environment to live in. We want them to be part of our community and all work and live together happily and peacefully. I am concerned, however, that premises in the town... Um, are now being purchased and the rumour is that they will be used to home refugees. I honestly think uh, developers and business people, etc., are cashing in on making serious money housing people now without asking who is actually coming in to our communities. And uh, it goes on then with uh, more there. Well, thank you for that on 083 311 Now, as you're aware, we're with you every weekday morning from nine, just after nine this morning, I spoke to David, um, who told us about his frustration with the government and what he sees as the complete inaction when it comes to deep Deportation. Here's a little of what David had to say to me this morning. I mean, they're not protecting the people either, right? Uh, you know, I mean, we have a case of Helen McAtee, right? She's responsible for deporting criminals now. And it turns out, and undesirable nationals, right? It turns out there was a guy in Dublin, right? He had actually carried out um, 15 sexual offences, right? Attacking mm-hmm. women and so on, right? He got a prison sentence for seven years. He, he was released after three and a half years on the basis he deported himself. He was actually seen walking around Dublin, right, and he was never deported. Because, I mean, the, the, the government talk about how they're deporting people. They're not. They're issuing orders for people to deport. Yes, but, but they're, they're allowing people to, to, to do that themselves then, to own to Oh, to yeah, which doesn't happen, right? You know. Yeah, where, where is it all going to end, do you think, David? Well, I think there's going to be a major protest and there'll be a big backlash against the government, right? And I said, well, we're very lucky, right? Because the, the official line on most parties, I mean, they're all basically the same. They have a big open-door policy. I mean, even Sinn Féin is the case of Brits out, but everyone else in, right? So, I mean, all the major parties are the same. I mean, and we're very lucky. We have two independent TDs who actually have highlighted the issues, right, in the goal, right? Whereas I see that the local TDs, other TDs are... And, and councils, they don't say anything because they won't rock the boat. Well, they have a party line, I suppose, and there is a whip they involved, have, yeah. so, you know. No, yeah, they have to say the official line. Like, I mean, they yeah. have to say black is black, white if they're, they're told to. A lot of people were very amused at that line from David. Uh, the Sinn Féin stance, as he sees it, is Brits out and everybody else in. Um, 083 311 It's time for our Garda slot now, and I'm glad to be joined by Carol O'Leary, who is the sergeant in charge of care. Garda Station, good morning to you, Carol. Good morning, Fran. How are you? And thanks for your time this morning. Can we begin with the Anina area? That was a remarkable detection about that speeding, wasn't it? It was. They were back on the 1st of November. Gardaí from the Roads Policing unit up in the north of the county discovered a driver doing 175 kilometres 
in a 100 kilometer zone so wow. on the old N7 again which would have been a good national route but almost double the speed going with it so the party in question was arrested and charged with dangerous driving and now before the court because obviously warrants it doing that kind of a speed on the road um, The drugs unit as well were busy they're always, bless them, they're always busy up yeah. um, doing their detections. And in this case, the Divisional Drugs Unit carried out a search in Nina on the 2nd of December, where they was found approximately 1,500 euro worth of cocaine, subject to analysis, and also cash, which could be the proceeds of crime, about 6,000 euro in relation to that. Both people were arrested and a file is being prepared for the DPP. Mm. Was there cannabis discovered as well? There was. Local guardies, so it's not just the drugs crew carried out searches in Roscray on the 7th of November and discovered cannabis in a car, just a simple standard stop and search. Their intuition told them to stop it and it was a successful detection. So again, that'll be analysed and results will follow. Um, I'm afraid we're hearing an awful lot about burglaries uh, recently, Carol, and uh, more again this week. It is, as I said in the last time, it's coming into the season where the clocks have changed on yeah. winter nights. And on this occasion, there's a few burglaries in the Nina district. They're investigating three in the last two weeks. So on the 10th of November, a business premises in Stream was burgled shortly after one o'clock. Also overnight on the 11th, which would have been last Saturday, into the 12th, a house in an estate in Laura was entered and was unfortunately ransacked. A third one then occurred in Newport shortly before seven o'clock when a house was entered and a car was stolen. So if anyone has any information or saw anything or have CCTV or dash cam, please, Gardy and Nina are appealing for assistance in that. Some criminal damage in Ross Gray as well. Unusual in that criminal damage occurred and there was also theft of car wheels mm. from a business premises in Ross Gray between the 11th and the 13th. Ultimately, one car was damaged and wheels were taken from a second car. Again, an appeal for CCTV or anyone who saw or is being offered tyres in the recent, it's unusual, as I said. Isn't it indeed? On my tools are uh, being uh, stolen as well. A large quantity of tools there taken between the 4th and 5th from a shed at Prospect East in Nina. Saws, drills and batteries. So if anyone's being offered them, if you're doing a bit of work at home or if you know of anyone that's being offered them, could be, if it's too good a deal, it could be something connected to that. For so again, sure, please sure, contact yeah. Gertie in Nina. Stolen vehicles as well? Stolen one on the 5th of November. Yeah, that's right, Fran. A car was stolen from Anbrook Heights in Nina. Gardaí are following a definite line of inquiry and the car was later recovered in Cork. There was also a scrambler taken in Ross Gray between the 6th and 8th of October. Thankfully, it doesn't happen that often due to the, the upgrading in cars. Yes. Still, unfortunately, an upsetting for owners of all vehicles around the place. I can well imagine, indeed. Let's move to the Clonmel area then, Carol. And it just goes to show you how dangerous... Uh, your job can be from time to time. You you stopped a, well, one of your colleagues stopped a car. Yeah, and again, it's something that we do all day, every day, where you just, something doesn't seem quite right and a car will be stopped. And on this occasion in Clonmel on the 30th, just before Halloween, car was stopped and the driver was found in possession of a knife. So he too has been charged and is due to before the courts this month. So again, it could yeah. be quite serious. Yeah, for sure. The drugs unit as well? Again, the drugs in the south, always competing with the north. Um, they carried out a search under a warrant at Nine Mile House on the 2nd of November. There was a substantial amount of suspected amphetamine along with a load of drug paraphernalia. So a man in his 30s was arrested and was charged with possession of drugs for sale or supply on this occasion. He's also charged with just simple possession of it and he'll be before Carrick on Shore Court next month. Uh, quite a few people arrested under the Public Order Act, Carol. 
seems, yeah, quite early in the kind of the Christmas season. Yeah. 15 people arrested under the Public Order Act in the last two weeks in the Clonmel and Carrick and Shore area. Some were charged, some were taken to court, some will appear in court later, some received a fixed charge notice, so a ticket for drunkenness behaviour. The holiday celebrations are approaching. Again, it seems quite early, we're over a month mm. away from it, but just please be organised plan your trip out, plan your trip back and drink responsibly if you are going out. It can be something simple but just to be aware of who's going out and just check in on yourself and your friends that you are going out with. There was a burglary in Clonmel. It was. The night before Halloween on the 30th of October Gardaí Clonmel are investigating a burglary there that happened between half eight and half nine in the Marion Avenue area. Kitchen window was forced in on the house and they gained entry to the property that way number of items of Waterford Crystal, some classic pieces there. Mm. We'd be interested in hearing of anyone who has been offered such items for sale or if you have any information to please contact Gardy in Clonmel. Yeah. So Waterford Crystal pieces. They wouldn't pop up too often. You wouldn't see them being advertised that much. So that's, if there is anything, that's for sure, yeah. let us know. All right. And, and Clarehan as well? House in Clarehan and the housing estate there was entered on the 4th of November. Again, that would have been a Saturday night. During the day, or sorry, sorry, Saturday during the day while the house was empty. If you have seen anyone around the Clarehan area with a black Nike sports bag, quite distinctive bag, mm. in or around the estates that day, please contact Guardian Clonmel. Right. Uh, these characters, I mean, day and night, we have to be careful about our security, I suppose, Carol, really. Absolutely. It's opportunists. Yeah. They'll, just, they'll pass the house and for whatever reason, they'll just take a chance. And unfortunately, on some occasions, they are successful in their criminal behaviour. It's Indeed. their job. Yeah. Uh, the the final burglary for now then is where? Thomas Street in Clonmel, the 7th of November. Only an hour here when it's between a half 10 and half 11 when it happened. So anyone in the Thomas Street area, Tuesday of last week, a room in the house was unfortunately ransacked and there was items stolen. So if you have any information or if you saw anything, again, it's quite early in the morning between half 10 and half 11. All right, can we move to uh, Tipperary Town then? And uh, the delivery van that was taken in in September, you have some good news about that, have you? Some good news about that. There was a delivery van taken on the 25th of September. Hmm. It was later recovered in Limerick City. Inquiries were carried out by Tipperary Gardaí and following that, a male and a female were arrested in relation to the theft of the van. They were also responsible, the same people, for breaking a number of windows on a minibus. More recently, on the 4th of November, which was part in the Cashel Road area of Tipperary Town, they were taken to the courts. One of them is still in custody and the other one was granted bail from the court but with very strict conditions. And a person in custody has also been charged with a separate theft incident which occurred on business premises on the Limerick Road on the 1st of November. So some good results there from Tiptown. To the Cordangan area of Tipperary Town then and uh, a commercial business there this time broken into. Again, it's power tools. Yeah. Milwaukee yeah. power tools were taken during the course of that burglary between half six on the 7th of November and eight o'clock on the 8th. So again, midweek, there was a number of Milwaukee power tools taken during the course of that burglary. So again, if you've been offered them or if you've seen them or if you know of anyone that's suddenly come into new power tools, then please contact us and mm. let us make inquiries in relation to them. What happened to the van, Carol? A, diff- a difficult one for a driver again on the roads yeah. all the time. At about half eight on the 31st of October, a windscreen was broken in a van which was travelling on the Cashel Road area of Tiptown. A number of youths believe that something was thrown, um, obviously causing damage to the van. Could have quite serious consequences for anyone in or around it. Um, fortunately, the driver was not injured, but was understandably quite shaken and upset. 
buy it, not something you'd be expecting at all. So Tiff Town are appealing. If you saw anyone or if you know of anyone, some some young people we believe were involved in it that just for whatever reason decided to throw something and cause this, as I said, could be quite, quite serious for My them. My God, how, how mindless is that? And and some more young people involved in, in something as well. Was a car damaged by them? There was. On the Halloween night, about 8 o'clock on Halloween night, the bonnet of a car was damaged by, again, some young people who had thrown a cover of a bin over a wall in the Avondale Crescent area of Tip Town. So something that, you know, they didn't know what was on the other side and there could have been damage done mm. far more seriously but on this occasion it was the bonnet of a car that was damaged for them so if anyone's seen anyone again Halloween night there would have been a lot of young people but on this occasion in the Avondale Crescent area of Tiptown if you saw anyone that you can help us with Alright there was an attempt to break into a premises then on the main street in Tiptown Yeah early in the morning at 2.50 so quite early and quite dark at night we expecting some delivery people to be around maybe at that stage on the 1st of November a window was broken in a business premises on the main street of Tiptown it's believed that a hammer was used to break the window in an attempt to get into the property Mail was wearing a face mask and seen in the area at the time so if you saw anyone he would have been clearly quite suspicious if he was covering his face in this day and age but mm. anyone who saw anything please contact Tipperary and on Father Matthew Street then was that a front door that was damaged Front door was damaged of a house on Further Matthew Street on the between twelve o'clock and nine PM on the eleventh of number. So again, last Saturday a house was damaged, significant damage to it. And again, anyone who saw anything or if you were passing, if you've got dash cam in or around that time between twelve noon and nine PM, it might just be a jigsaw piece that'll help us. All right, Carol, to Thurless uh, then and uh, drink driving to begin with. We do. This is one where we hear a lot about the checkpoints and hopefully people are getting stopped at them regularly now, but Gardaí and Thurlis were performing a checkpoint, a MIT checkpoint, so a standard one that they can stop the vehicle. The driver was stopped. They failed the roadside breath test. They were brought back to the Garda station where in this occasion it was a female. She was found to be over the legal limit. Now, given the reading, she's entitled to a ticket, but will also be facing a three-month disqualification off the road. To that fireworks offence then, that, that sounds pretty serious. What, what happened there? There was, there was a fireworks expenses there um, where they saw, Gardaí saw two bonfires in an estate. The fire brigade was contacted. While Gardaí were present and the fire brigade were present, there was a firework fired and sent to ask Gardaí and towards the fire brigade staff who had to take a, I suppose, duck to get away from, avoid being hit. The firework did hit the engine and landed on the ground and again went off within feet of Gardaí and fire personnel. Thankfully, nobody was injured at that stage but there was a person arrested detained questioned in relation to it could have been very very serious for any frontline emergency services working over halloween it's a dangerous enough night without something deliberately and intentionally being dent, sent in their way for that speaking of danger there was a firearm uh, incident as well there was there was gary received a report of an incident where on arrival, the person produced a hunting rival during the course of a dispute with another party. The armed support unit were sent to the scene and they're fantastic. They also came from Limerick. Suspect was arrested and questioned and has been brought before the court in relation to that. Obviously, serious, serious threat there when you're producing a rifle in the middle of a dispute. That's for certain. Um, some shoplifting as well. There was some seven on this occasion. Quite a group of them went into a shop, took a number of eggs and sweets and left without paying CCTV, which is always our brilliant asset, was downloaded, they were identified and the youth might be dealt with now under the juvenile liaison system which is a great opportunity for them to learn their 
the error of their ways and hopefully get back on track. Mm, what happened about the uh, young person and the offensive weapon, as it's described here? What, what happened there? There was, again, just a simple stop and search that we do every day. On this occasion, it was a young person who was acting suspiciously. There was also a strong smell of cannabis from them. And on this occasion, when they were stopped, they handed over a knuckle duster that they had in their jeans pocket. So that was understandably seized. You've no good reason to be having that in your pocket or in your possession on a day-to-day basis. But again, serious potential issues there. Indeed. And uh, finally, for the Thursday, a vehicle detained as well? Yeah, again, it's the simple little things, but you need to have tax if you're you're driving a car on the road. On this occasion, there was reports of cars parked, not the best parking at a location up in Thurlis. Gardaí went to the scene, one vehicle was stopped, and it was out of tax for over 180 days. So understandably, the vehicle was seized and that will have to be rectified before the owner gets it back. Finally, to your own area then, uh, Carol, and you you want to thank uh, some people I know. There was. It was the Care Youth Group here. They had a mental health evening in Care House with various speakers, including Senator Francis Black Mm. and great, really well supported. It was lovely to see the support for young people in the town. We had representatives from Corlin and Oak present who did a fantastic amount of work um, Andy Maloney, as always, was one of the main organisers. Mm. But plenty of speakers, plenty of variety, and great to see the town come together to support young people. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who was in attendance, and she said it was just a fantastic event uh, altogether. Uh, the people of Cashel, you just want to give them some information about the Cashel Garda station, Carol. It is. It's quite a, an old historic building, and in the next mm. few weeks, they will see there'll be a bit of work done to it. It's going to take a few months, possibly. The whole station will be undergoing refurbishment. But there are plans being finalised that Gardaí will be in attendance in Cashel for the time that it's being developed. There will be there. It just needs to be finalised. And as soon as it's finalised, where our temporary home will be, we'll let people know. In the meantime, the guards will still be working. They'll still be patrolling. They'll still be out and about and there to answer your calls and give you as much help as we possibly can. And uh, finally, uh, the Gardaí attending uh, the careers fair as well. We are a date to stick on a post-it and stick on the fridge. You can join us, Fran, if you want to change careers. The (laughs) cattle community... Don't tempt me, Carol, don't tempt me. They're changing the age range. It's going up to 50, so you're still eligible. Uh, The cattle community school, the parents association in conjunction with the management up there, they're having a careers night for senior cycle students. So there'll be a load of young guards young little trainee guards as well as myself and a few others up there from two till six offering guidance and advice on what's required to join the guards, what it's all about and again I suppose reassuring parents if they're concerned about their little darlings joining the organisation will be there to offer them as much help. We'd love to see people coming up there. Loads of different careers will be there but we'll definitely have a little stand and we'll offer as much advice and answer as many questions as we can. And the very best of luck with that indeed. Carol, it's always a delight. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank no you. problem at all. Thank Take you. Care. What about you now? Thanks. Carol O'Leary there, the sergeant in charge of care. Garda Station uh, 083 311 We'll take a break. Uh, back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie For our dear Phil Slot uh, yesterday, our agony aunt slot we received a letter from a frustrated and upset young lady whose sister was proposed to at her wedding recently and she feels her big day was ruined by her sister that she was upstaged and she's now wondering should she address 
what happened with her sister and we posted uh, the letter up on social media platforms and Shauna was in touch and joins us now. Shauna, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Do you think that the, the, the bride in question, is she justified to think that her sister sort of attempted to ruin her day or did ruin her day? I completely get it. Like, look, all going well, you only get married once. This bride would have put a lot of time, effort, work, love, attention, detail into this one day. And now it's going to happen forever. Is when she talks about a wedding, people are going to turn around and go, didn't your sister get engaged at your wedding? It's going to be forever the memory that people remember. And I 100% agree where she's coming from. Was it was it very thoughtless of the sister or was it deliberate in some way, do you think, Shauna? You see, by the way, the kind of bride was coming across. She seems very, very happy for her sister, which is great. Mm. I don't think it's more the sister's fault. It's the partner that proposed. Maybe he's just someone that didn't consider it. Maybe he thought, oh, look, everyone's here. It's a great time. Let's do it now. But you don't do that at someone else's event. It's just, it's really inconsiderate. You at least ask the bride and groom and get their opinion. It's their day. Yeah, it seems to me, though, that the bride is of the opinion that her sister knew that this was going to happen. So it's not just the boyfriend where this is concerned. Yeah, I then mean, I don't know, like why would you why would you want to take that away from someone else? Like I'm with my partner nearly ten years and we've had this discussion about what I would like, what I wouldn't like. And I just think it's very inconsiderate. And if the sister even thought it was going to happen, she definitely should have said it to the bride as well. Yeah, and uh, do you think, was it sort of stupidity and thoughtlessness? Or, you know, was there an element of, you know, well, I, I, I want to be I want to be the queen on this day. Do you, do you think it was as Machiavellian as like that? A, a lot of people are like that. They do like the attention mm. of it. And look, I guess mm. that. But I just think it was like, oh, everyone's here. We'll do it now and it'll make a big scene and, you know, we're dressed yeah. up and there'll be lovely pictures. And, <laughs> yes. But it's not about you. That one day, if all your sister wanted just to be about herself, could you not give it to her? Yeah, because there's all sorts of tradition, Shauna, uh, around that not upstaging the bride with colours and dresses and stuff. Is that is that not the case? Like, you don't upstage exactly. the bride. Yeah. Like, imagine now on the sister's wedding day, that bride turns up and she gives a speech and she's a maid of honour and says she's pregnant. I don't think that bride would be too happy about it. You just don't take away the limelight. You give the couple their day. You stand back. You, you're happy for them. You give them the moment. It's like trying to jump in the middle of the first dance. Well, you just don't do it. You let them have their moments, their time. Like I said, they've put the money in, which is a lot of money if anyone has been married recently. You yeah, know it costs sure. a lot. Yeah. The time, the detail. And look, maybe they've all been through a horrible time, so they lost some loved ones coming up to mm. the wedding. My heart goes out to them, and that, that, that's horrible for anyone. But then wouldn't you think that you give her her moment to have, to be happy after everything that's happened? Do you really want to take take that away from her again? Yeah, and to, I don't know. To add insult to injury then, um, the sister rang the bride when she was on honeymoon to ask how much she paid for the deposit on the reception. So, like, That's ridiculous. That is Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you can't wait. There's no way, like, they're possibly gone, what, maybe two or three weeks. You can't wait until they come back to talk about it. Mm. Like, more than likely she hasn't even put a deposit down yet. There's no major rush. Like, if you've only just got engaged, you might be getting married for 12, 24 months. I just think... Maybe she does want to take away. Maybe she was jealous that her sister got married before her and just she wants everything about her now. Yeah, Phil, Phil got a bit sort of overexcited about it, I guess, and called her an unholy bitch 
<laughs> I'm not sure. Would you would you go would you go that far? Do you think, Shauna? You see, it it really does depend. Like maybe she's the older sister, yeah. and she thinks that she should have gotten married first. And maybe her, you know, maybe the bride is younger, and she just everything's falling into place. And maybe this this girl that got proposed, and maybe she feels like she's being left behind, and she kind of wants it all, but. You can have it all without taking it from someone else. Right, but the important question she asked is, because, you see, what's done is done, and she's wondering now, does she address it with the sister? Or, or will that cause all sorts of family turmoil then because you can't turn back the clock on this anyway? I, how do you feel about that, Shauna? No, I think, not just in this scenario, as an Irish nation, we hate saying what we feel. Like, she deserves to have her opinion said. Why should she? And, like, what could happen if she doesn't sit down and talk to her sister respectfully and on a one-on-one basis. She'll help with the wedding and the sister will be asking questions. And next thing, it could all come out in one big blow and it'll be ten times worse. So sitting down and having that conversation now before things really start to, to get going for, for the sister to, to make her wedding date, you need to have the conversation. Because maybe it's not as bad as what she thinks, or maybe it is, and at least the sister can go, do you know what, I don't want a parent helping you with your wedding. That's very sensible advice indeed, even though something you mentioned earlier uh, tickles me a little, uh, the notion that uh, the bride would turn up at her sister's wedding and announce that she's pregnant just just by way of retaliation. <laughs> it could be, but I, like, I don't think, like I'd hate if someone did that to me, I just, I, know, I couldn't. I like, so it's going to be something that's always going to be remembered about that bride's day that her sister got engaged. It's always going to be that second part and that's not fair. All right, Shauna, lovely to talk to you today and thanks thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on with me. No problem, you too, thank you. Bye-bye to you now, Shauna, bye-bye. Another letter we received was from a concerned daughter whose mother has come out as being lesbian and she's unsure how to move forward with the situation. So again, we decided to ask our, our listeners about this, but I'm glad to be joined by Evelyn Roberts of Thurless Pride. Good morning to you, Evelyn. Hi, Fran. How are you? How are things? Uh, things are well and lovely to talk to you again. And thanks, thanks for agreeing to come on with us this morning. Um, it's 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 a complex one, isn't it? The the mother in question. She brought up uh, four children. Um, she was with what she describes as a very good man. At this stage, everybody has flown the nest, and now she's decided to come out and say, "Look, I'm lesbian. I'm attracted to women, and this is my time." Yeah. Um, I suppose I, it, I suppose that uh, it's a very sensitive subject. I suppose um, for anyone, um, no matter what age that you are, um, friend. To be fair, so um, I read um, the letter, and um, I think to be fair, um, the daughters and the kids are all grown up, and the youngest is um, in her tw- late twenties, I think, or tw- early twenties, I think. And so, I think for for her. Um, like her parents are never are not going to love her any less that mm. one that, that they're separating, you know. Um, mom is always going to ha- give her love and dad is always going to give her love or his love as well. Um, so I think, you know, the kids have grown up, you know, mom, um, mom raised them, you know, gave them a good life, you know. She said that they had a, a good life growing up, you know, um, and I think it's only fair that mom... Is happy, you know. Of course, it's a it's a sore subject, you know, when your parents break up. That's never easy, you know, regardless of what the situation is. You know what I mean? And so I think for mom, it's it's mom's time now to, I suppose, be happy, and the kids need to understand that, you know, mom has her own life to be living. 
you know, and I think it's only mm. fair, you know what I mean, that um, she gets to do that. You know, she's been the, she's the good wife. She's been the good mom over the, um, the last few decades or whatever, uh, mm. however she's long she's She's postponed her own happiness, I suppose, to some, some Absolutely, degree, and yeah. that's very common. That's very common. Mm. Um, uh, that's very common, Fran, you know, because as years ago, as you know, stuff like that wouldn't have been um, seen to, you know, being gay, you know what I mean? So people got married for the sake of getting married and mm. she's not, her dad is a good man, as she said, you know what I mean? And she there's no doubt that she loves him, but just not the way that she would would have wanted to, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so people got married just for the sake of getting married and that they were a good person, you know what I mean? But that doesn't change the love that she has for for her kids and for his kids as well, you know, his, his from his side as well, of you know, course, as I yeah. said. And and you just know. on a human level, I can't help but feel sorry for him because he obviously loves her, Absolutely. and you know, I mean, I'm sure he's he's devastated by by all of this. But in fairness to him, he says that he's advice to the daughters. Well, everybody needs to yeah. move on now and make sure we keep good relationships. So he's he's a decent Absolutely. soul, isn't he? You know, that's yeah, yeah. As I said, like you know what I mean. She said that her dad was a very good man, and the mom loves him. Like I said, there's no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah. But it's not it's not fair for them to stay together, you know what I mean, if one is not feeling it more than the other, you know what I mean? That's not fair on either party, you know what I mean? And that she has a right to live her own life the way that she sees fit, you know? Mm. And it's not a case that she's moving out to move in with a lover. I mean, she's going to stay with her yeah. sister. Um, so, yeah, that's you know, correct, yeah. So, like, in, in fairness to her, it, it doesn't appear to be that. W- would you know of cases like that, Evelyn? Is that... Does that? Is yeah, that yeah, yeah. One, one or two, one or two cases. Yeah. You know what I mean. I was married myself many years ago, um, friend. So you know what I mean. It's not a kid. Now my marriage didn't break down because of that. I was gay. You know what I mean. Yeah, there was sure. other things, but yeah. I, I have as like I can absolutely understand where that woman is coming from. Like that we grew up in a time where, like, you know what I mean, being gay, yeah. you know what I mean, being gay was a sin, you know what I mean? And, you know what I mean, I loved my husband, there's no doubt about that, but I suppose, you know what I mean, if mm. I'm being honest, like, I probably wasn't attracted to him as I would have been to, to women, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But it's just that different kind of love, you know what I mean? I still respect him, you know what I mean? He's the father of my child, of and, you know what I mean, the love comes from both sides, from um, from my ex-husband and from myself. Like which, you know which, what I mean. So that love will never change for the yes. kids. You know but, what but, I mean. But you can see where this woman is is coming from. Uh, I, I oh, absolutely. Look, absolutely. Yeah. Like you know what I mean. It's it's it, it's not an easy subject. You know what I mean. At any to any time of life. You know what I mean. At any at any age. You know what I mean. So you can see like her whole life was brought up by her mom and dad. You know what I mean. Yeah. And it's not that she was. It's not that um she her life was a lie. It was like her mom's life was a lie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Her mom had to live with that feeling for years and years and years and that, of that pressure on her shoulders of being the good wife, being the good parent. Do you know what I mean? And she did that. She did a good job. And like, Evelyn, you know what would, I mean? would that have been extremely difficult for that to be going on at, at, at the mother's core? Like, I mean, she, she probably wants to be with a woman, but she sacrificed everything for, for family and for... You know. Yeah, but that's that's a mother's natural thing to do is to sacrifice for their kids anyway. Yes. You know what I mean? Regardless, it could be, you know what I mean? It, regardless of, um, you know what I mean, what the situation or the scenario is, we'll always put our kids first. Yes. You know what I mean? So, but in this situation, in this situation, she put her kids first and now it's her time to live her life and not live, not live the lie that she's having had that burden that she's had on her shoulders for years and years and years. 
Evelyn, it's always lovely to talk to you and we appreciate you coming on, Evelyn. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank Thanks very Thank much, Brian. Thank you. Bye-bye to you. That's uh, Evelyn Roberts there uh, of Thurless Pride speaking to us uh, this morning, responding indeed to some of our dear Phil letters there. All right, then, it is time to do this. Tip FM's Match 3 game. Tip FM's Match 3 game. With Stakelum's Home and Hardware and expert electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Stakelum's.ie. And uh, let us go to lovely Duella and Anne is there. Anne, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Are you full of confidence about this, Anne? Well, I have a couple of twos, but that's as far as I have at the moment. I see. Well, you never know. You never know indeed. You know the story at this stage. You have to uh, match three. If you uh, open a box and there's nothing in it, if the prize has already been won, we'll give you another opportunity to play. Is that okay with you? Okay, perfect. All right. Okay. So, first box, please. I'll go with a random number. I will go with 78. With 78. All right, then let us have a look at 78 and let's see if I can open that box at this point. Let's do this. All right, and uh, box 78 is an espresso Vertuo pop coffee machine is valued at just under 100 euros. So it's a nice, nice prize if you're fond of coffee. Pick another box for me if you, if you would, Anne. Um, I will pick 71. Let us open 71 and see what's in 71. I'm afraid it's not a match, Anne. 71 is a Christmas tree and Christmas lights. Would you do me a favour and open a third one just to help out uh, people who might be listening? I will indeed. Yeah. Um, I will go with 84. Okay, let's go with 84. Let us open that box and see what's in there. And in fact, 84 is a match to your first one. It's an Espresso Virtuo coffee machine and as I say, valued at just uh, 100 euros. So two out of three ain't bad and all of that. Will you play again at some point, Dad? I will indeed. I will indeed, Fran. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you and lovely lovely to talk to you Thank today. You. Bye-bye to you now. And that is our match three cons- uh, contestant. And of course, Stephen will play match three in the lunchtime show. Tip FM's match three game. Unwrap an early Christmas present from Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Stakelum's Expert Electrical at Racecourse Road, Thurless. Shop online at stakelum.ie. Match three, win the prize. Tip FM. It must be me. I don't think we've had a winner so far on the programme. So uh, let's, uh, sorry, on this particular show. I know lots of winners on the other shows. Uh, but we will give you another opportunity tomorrow, as I say. Stephen on the way with match three and Owen and Carol as well. We'll take a break and then we'll talk gardening. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Gardening, and glad to be joined now as usual by Alton Nesbitt of Arabon. Good morning to you, Alton. Good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today. You're going to start by talking to us about bare root uh, hedging. Just exactly what is that? Is that the way you you buy it? Is that is that? Yeah, ex- exactly. They, really, uh, uh, at this time of the year, it's great to get plants. Nearly, they're nearly half the price that you would get containerized. So you can get get um, a lot of trees and shrubs, and even hedging uh, at this time of the year, bare rooted. 
and they're 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 nearly half the price of what you, what you buy containerized, and actually they take quite well. Um, they're, they're fantastic um, uh, to get at this time of the year. Really, between September and March is the best time to, time to get them. And um, uh, again, you can get the lovely white thorn hedging, or even um, the, the grislinia or the escalonia, or e- even um, uh, you can get the large trees and lovely um, uh, oaks, um, birch, or even even um, uh, uh, the pine trees as well. There's lovely. Um, I always think uh, there's nothing nicer than in your garden is to have be surrounded by trees yeah. and lovely hedging as well. So this is a great time of year to do it. Um, and there's such a selection at this time of the year as well and such a variety of plants that you can get bare-rooted. Um, now, really, um, I always say to people, is try and get them planted before Christmas. They always do an awful lot better um, when you transplant them. And um, always plant them, um, water, water them well after transplanting them as well. And always use either poultry manure or, or even a thing called 7617 potato manure fertilizer down at the base of the hedge. That just gives everything a really good start. We also have a, a bacteria that you can dip the roots into. Um, it's called root grow. And this is like a, a, a gel, uh, almost like a swell gel, really, mm. that, that um, you can put the roots in, into that um, overnight and then transplant them out. It just has a bacteria in it that allows the root systems to, to grow a lot quicker. For you, and therefore you have um, less fail, plants failing on you. Um, and then in, by the time the middle of May comes, which we normally have a drought at, so uh, by the time middle of May comes, they have enough, a good, good enough root system on them that they don't um, die from, from drought or anything like that. So uh, again, always plant them um, before, before Christmas. But I like um, the, the types of, a lot of the um, uh, Department of Agriculture now are, are trying to get people to plant a lot of farmers to plant them, um, uh, a lot of hedging yes. and 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 um, hedgerows uh, at this time of year. So there's a lot of trees that are that are good for that. There's an Acer campestris, which is like a like a sycamore tree, um, which is quite nice. Or Alan's glutinosa, which is actually very good for windbreak. Um, it, it's a it's a, a lovely tall conical tree, um, and again you can almost have have like a hedge if you have a very exposed site, and it gives great shelter. So I mean again. These you buy when they're about just about uh, two foot high, just whips of plants. Um, they're about two foot high, and you can plant those then about nearly every every three foot apart if you want a windbreak on it. And that again will, will block any exposed site from, from any storm damage or anything because they have a very good root system on them, and that they really do protect your 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 garden from any 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 wind damage. So that's the anastomosis. Other things then are lovely. Especially at this time of year, are the lovely and um, the birch trees, and the birch and the, the even the the uh, Vegas sabbatica, the the um, uh, beech as well are fantastic. Mm. Lovely autumn colour from them. So with the birch, you have the lovely white silver bark, but then also with the golden leaves that come off it. Then at this time of year, particularly nice. The love when it exposes itself to, to to the lovely white the winter sun, and you have that lovely white um, bark on it. Um, and and betula pendula. Oh, there's um, a batch of papyrifera or one called Jockmantii, which are really particularly good white bark on them, which are particularly good to, to get at this time of the year. Um, again, uh, uh, the white thorn hedging, but a lot of people will grow. But there's also one called uh, Crotagus called Scarlet. And I particularly like that tree because it has a lovely deep pink to red flower on it. And lovely conical, a lovely round mushroom head shape on it, which is particularly nice. And very good, actually, in exposed areas. It can take the wind 
uh, damage and everything like that because, because it's a nice sturdy tree and doesn't grow too large either, only about 15 foot high, but nice neat, neat shape to it as well. So again, if you have a, a garden that you have to plant a, a lot of hedging, um, this is the time of year to do it because uh, if you're putting in either beech uh, or beech, birch or oak or anything mm. like that, or even the, the, the Anglis glutinosa, or even um, lovely evergreen. Um, I like um, uh, things like the, the taxes the cattle, the lovely um, uh, the yew, yew hedge, which is particularly good, or escalonia, which has the lovely pink flowers. You can get it in pink, white, or red uh, flowers, I think it's quite nice as well. Or even just the real hardy plants, uh, the laurels, are quite nice as well. So lo- lovely options there. I, I love the trees around our site. I think we have beech and birch, in fact, but uh, the, the only drawback is autumn time, the leaves are all over the, the, the lawn. That's the only yeah. drawback of it, Alton. Yeah, know. but really, really, I think the, the trees are great for, for, for the heart and the soul yeah. <laughs> in the garden. Yeah. And they really are, are lovely. And uh, again, with, with that debris uh, from, from the trees, use it as a compost. Yeah. I mean, yeah. gather up all the, the leaves and, and even the branches and, and uh, mulch it and have it, have it as a lovely uh, compost that you can mulch onto your bed, onto the herbaceous borders or even, even onto your, your uh, rose, rose bushes as well. It just makes a fantastic compost so it sort of kind of enriches the soil um, from the leaf mould. A um, couple of questions in, well, quite a few questions in fact. Let's see what we can get through. Uh, Alton, recommend a colourful tree shrub for the winter. Well, you mentioned several there, Alton. Yeah, but, well, I like, um, well, there's lovely scented ones as well that you, you can have um, at this time or going into the winter time. And really, uh, there's a lovely thing called uh, Saracoca Confusa. It's a lovely uh, Christmas box, it's called. Lovely evergreen shrub. And it goes to about three foot high and then that wide. But a magnificent scent off it. It's, a, it's called the Christmas box, but it has tiny little uh, creamy uh, flowers out of it. But the scent of it is like the hyacinth, the smell of hyacinth off it. Or even just another thing called um, Hamamillus mollus, mm. which is the witch hazel. And that's quite a nice nice sized tree, medium sized tree. But it has a brilliant autumn colour out of it at this time of the year. But then in the winter time, it has these almost like little spidery type flowers that come out of it. And you, have, you can get it in kind of a burnt orange or red or even yellow. But the scent of it is magnificent um, during the winter time. Or even a lovely evergreen, another evergreen would be nice as well, is the Eliagnus. And people don't realise Eliagnus makes a lovely hedge. It's also nice as an individual shrub. You can get Eliagnus maculata, which has that lovely variegation. But even uh, if the leaf, if you turn up or turn the leaf upside down, uh, you get this lovely silver under under colour on, on the leaf, which is particularly nice. And that's lovely in the in the in the wind or in the breeze. Get that lovely silver silver leaf under under undertone. But then with it, it has these tiny little flowers out of it as well around Christmas time. So if when you get to arrive at Christmas, you have this lovely scent of hyacinths um, uh, uh, in your garden. So they are magnificent to have. Just around the patio, or even even at either side of the doorway. Very good. I love the uh, colourful Latin names; they're just absolutely gorgeous. Um, uh, somebody wants to know about the best time to prune uh, prune a buddleia, and uh, how much should you take off it? Have I the right pronunciation of that? Y- you have, yeah. Uh, buddleia is the butterfly bush, and uh, really, buddleias are they're, they're quite vigorous trees, and and they grow grow, grow quite strongly. Really, it's a good time to prune it back now, this time of year, and, and cut it back hard. Uh, go, go more than halfway with it um, so that you promote more growth from the very base of it. Uh, because it's quite a vigorous uh, shrub, that it will re-sprout quite quickly for you in, in the springtime, um, almost nearly about uh, three metres. 
um, it will grow. So, uh, uh, and therefore, you have, you keep it nice and young, and you also have plenty of flowers um, uh, that aren't up at God. It's, 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 uh, they're facing you, really. And it has that lovely cone-shaped flowers that come out of it. Now, it will be covered with a mass of butterflies during the summer months as well. Um, and there's a lovely one called um, Buddy Black Night, which is a lovely deep, purpley blue um, uh, flower out of it and has a lovely scent off it as well. But um, uh, the buddleys are particularly good if you prune them back hard every year really um, and more than halfway just to encourage more growth at the base of it. But then it's a good time is to feed things like that just with, with a, either a fitful sulphur or potash just to encourage the growth on again uh, in the springtime. All right, this must be a Miss Prentice. What can I do with angel snot on my lawn? Is that a... Uh, there's well, there's algae that grows uh, on, uh, and there's a, there's a thing, there's a thing, there's a bug, a, 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 a beetle that gives off this um, uh, bubbles around it, protects itself with these bubbles, bubbles around it. Really, it only lasts for about um, a month, and then then it kind of dissipates. So there really, there's 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 no need to be spraying with an insecticide or anything like that on your own, especially at this time of the year. It tends to dissipate. It doesn't um, harm anything, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't oh. harm anything. It's uh, what it is is just a, just a, 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 it forms this kind of a mucus just around itself to protect itself from any from, from any chemical or, or spray or oh. any 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 bird attack. Incredible name. Um, can a hydrangea be repotted at this time of year? Hydrangeas are great to, to repot at this time of year because um, again. Uh, they're quite a hungry plant, so they need plenty of um, food and, and nourishment. So always replant your hydrangeas in an ericaceous compass. Something like the Tipsland um, um, uh, Premier Gold compass is quite good. And if you do, do use that compass, use a little bit, bit of um, slow-release fertilizer, something like the azalea rhododendron uh, fertilizer, uh, into it, a 6- to 12-month slow-release fertilizer. That will allow the plant to burst into growth uh, really well. Because really what you want with hydrangeas is as much um, vegetative growth um, as, as, as soon as possible. So therefore, you get loads of flowers from it. With hydrangeas, it's very important when you are repotting them, wash them well after, after uh, repotting them. And also, put them in an area where they're, they're frost-free, where the frost doesn't get at the stems. Because really, the stems that, that you have uh, this year, you, you have to hold on to them over the winter months so that you have plenty of flowers for next year. Because if, if they get exposed to frost, it tends to cut them right back down to ground level and then the re-sprout again and all, all you get is leaves. So hold on to as much of the stems for next year's uh, right. as possible. Alton, uh, thanks very much indeed and happy gardening to you. That's the great Alton Nesbitt there. Um, just uh, let me leave you with a, a couple of uh, um, texts from our listeners on that letter from uh, the bride who was really annoyed at the notion that her sister was uh, proposed to at her wedding. Uh, one listener says, the sister needs to get a bloody grip. So what? She got engaged at her wedding. Good God, enough you know what going on in the world. Is this not happy news? Enjoy the planning of your sister's wedding with her. P.S. Don't get married. It costs more to come out of it than the day itself, says a listener out there. Uh, Eddie is in Carrick and he says, Good morning, Fran. I proposed to my now wife at the top table at my daughter's wedding. My daughter and everybody at the wedding were over the moon, says Eddie. So there you go. That's it uh, from me. Uh, Emma produced, Ali looks after her content Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel on the Lunchtime Show, he will also play Match 3 in association with our good friends at Stakedom's Home and Hardware and Stakedom's Expert Electrical I'll talk to you tomorrow, you look after yourselves in the meantime, won't you? Bye bye 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.